We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. And as of recently, in the Locker Room app. Check it out. My name's Rob Ladder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. Joining me tonight is my co-host, the man, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. How you doing, brother? No, before before you tell me how you're doing, how is how is everybody, how's the family? Because, like, you said there's been, like, tornado warnings and stuff. Yeah, but, you know, we live in that area, so <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, there was a tornado warning. You know, they had the sirens going off all night, and, um, like, the sirens, it plays, like, it's just a loud sound throughout town. You're talking about, and, like, those creepy-ass air raid sirens? That, like, yeah, like, that, That's yeah. one of, like, to me, that's one of the scariest just noises, like, that those types of sirens. Yeah. I've always felt like they were real creepy, but everybody's good. Yeah, everybody's good. So, you know, we're chilling. And I'm real good. My UCLA Bruins just knocked off Alabama, headed to the Elite Eight. That's what's up. Yeah, we are. Dang, we're already to the Elite Eight, huh? I I haven't been watching much, so I got to gotta get back into it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, man. All right, so we're here. I mean, I think at this point everybody in 49ers land has kind of – you know, come to grips with the reality that the 49ers have now traded up to three overall. They're one of the biggest players in the draft there. You know, really, for the most part, 
some people would say the draft starts at three with the 49ers because they're convinced that um, that the one and two picks are kind of set with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And then there's some people that say that the draft starts with the Jets because they're not convinced it's going to go that route. I'm but, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And you obviously have some 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 context to that. So really I felt like, and I said this before we started recording, that the the last locker room sesh, the last podcast was a little like drinking water from a fire hose. Like it was just overwhelming. The 49ers had just traded up to three. It was an emergency pod. Uh, you know, we were just kind of taking everything in, talking about what the 49ers did, why they did it, who could they pick and stuff. And I feel like this was an episode where we could kind of like take a step back. It's clear what the 49ers are doing at this point. And just kind of talk about the options and do it with like a clear head because obviously any everybody in the chat right now and everybody who's been on social media and everybody who's kind of just been paying attention over the last few days, everybody was so quick. And you know, I've mentioned this so many times. Everybody was so quick to like plant their flag. Like this is the guy they need to take at three. And like, then they just start, they got their guns out and they started shooting other people that were coming for their flag. And, like, it's just kind of like that real, like, intense. There's no way to avoid it. I'd say it's probably inevitable. It always happens. But I figure we would just kind of roll through the options, talk about them. Crocker, you give your thoughts on on the option. I'll give my thoughts. Your thoughts will be much more in-depth than my thoughts, as they usually are. And my phone um, conversations from earlier as well. Talk about those. Right, right. You've got some, some things you want to talk on. And then we would kind of just talk about some of the context regarding the the trade and like how Jimmy Garoppolo fits into all this and how the 49ers can kind of approach it. There's, you know, there's a few different avenues. I would say none of which are wrong. There's just a a few different ways to go about it for the 49ers and for Jimmy and and for the rookie. So, so Croc, let's just start out. I mean, I think what the way I organized this on my notes was I kind of like organized the quarterbacks from like most to least likely if that makes sense. You know, the, the the ones that I feel like we should spend time talking about and the ones maybe we should spend a little less time talking about, but that doesn't mean that, that it couldn't happen. So at the very, very top, I have Justin Fields. I feel like he is of the options. Not only is he the option that I did run a little poll, uh, you know, uh, if let's I said assuming Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson go one and two, which may be a little ahead of myself, which one would you want after that? And it was unanimously Justin Fields. I'm not unanimous, excuse me, that's a weird word to use, you know, it was way, he was way ahead, 70-something percent, I believe. So I, I put Justin Fields first, and I know he's also your your top option, at least he was when this whole process started, and that's not to say you can't just change your opinion, you know, as you come across new information. But why don't you talk to me about, you know, what Justin Fields means to you, what do you think he'd mean to the 49ers? And maybe also talk about some of the conversations you had earlier today. All right. So, um, I mean, ultimately with, with me, when it comes to Justin Fields, like I, I just, I love the tools. Um, I think he has the ability to do everything that Kyle Shanahan would want him to do. Now, obviously there are some things that he maybe needs to be more consistent at, but in the sense of just the throws that he's able to make, um, the pocket, you know, mobility, him actually being able to take off and run. Like, I think there's kind of this narrative that he's like a running quarterback when he's not. Like, he is a passer first. You watch the Alabama game, like, they were sending free runners and the the pocket was getting muddy and he wasn't dropping his eyes. Like, he was keeping his eyes upfield and still, like, trying to make, like, throws and 
thought everything was contested, tight window throws. Thought he showed, you know, through a touch. I thought he showed in that game where most people would say, "Oh man, it was such a terrible game." But when you watch it from the, from an evaluation standpoint, I thought he made a lot of big time throws in that game that might go overlooked and had a couple of big time runs. But if, um, if I can but, jump in here real quick, just to add one thing, the one thing that I immediately was impressed with when I actually started to dive into Justin Fields a little more was for a guy as fast and athletic as him how long he would sit in the pocket and how much patience he would show. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, he's a he is a passer first. Is he just has the ability to run. So, you know, obviously that's great, like being able to make plays on the move and everything. Now when it comes to the conversations I've had and, you know, some of the videos I've watched, a lot of people have kind of talked about his uh processing speed. It's like, oh he's a slow processor, slow processor. I heard uh Greg Cosell say it. I've watched a couple uh YouTube videos and they say it I'm like, okay, slow processor. Is that something that you can improve? Because that's how I look. I'm like, man, Kyle, like, this is your chance to get a, an extremely talented player. But if being a slow processor is something that you can't overcome, then I'm out. You know, and I heard somebody talking about, like, that's the case with Mitchell Trubisky, right? All the talent in the world. And I've talked about that. Like, Trubisky has all the talent. He's, he's athletic. He can make all the throws. But he's a slow processor. That, that's what the person I was watching said. And they compare uh, fields to that. So from that standpoint, I'm like, is that something that can be improved? So I called a few guys I know, um, three quarterback coaches. So um, and all three of them played uh, quarterback at the collegiate level. One of them um, to this day still trains Josh Allen, and he told me all about Josh Allen as well. So and the progression with Josh Allen. So the question about fields that I asked him was, can you become better with processing? what you're seeing and do you think it's something that has hindered him in college and for the most part the answer that I got is excuse me the answer I got from all three guys is yes you can definitely improve as a process like you can improve your processing now they said it's it's different for every guy you you know some guys it just clicks and they're able to do it some guys not not so much right and then um, another answer I got was also what you don't know at um, Ohio State is what they asked him to do. Did they ask him to be that type of you know, processor? You know, um, my, my buddy that trains Josh Allen, he was talking about how he was like, Croc, look, Ohio State kicks everybody's ass. They kick, it, they kick everybody's ass. Their coach has this scheme um, and offense that he has developed and basically, it's like, hey, this is going to work. This is what we're going to do. This is going to beat this and that. So he was saying, look, maybe he isn't a great processor, but maybe they haven't asked him to be that. And I think that's one thing that people probably haven't thought about, where it's like, hey, you're, you're not a good processor until, like, you're going to have to find out if he can develop at the next level, but maybe his college just didn't ask him. So that was one thing that he brought up, which I thought was a good point. But overall – Three guys that I, I spoke to who all played the quarterback position, all coached, all coached professional football as well, um, and had to evaluate a ton of quarterbacks. They said that yes, you can improve as a processor. So from that standpoint, like I'm still in with with Fields. You know, I think he has big time ability. Obviously, you have to find out what type of kid he is, and I think that's going to ultimately decide, you know, whether he's going to improve on that or not. Now, also I asked about Trey Lance, and we'll get to that, but this kind of goes hand in hand with that conversation where, you know, I was saying, hey, you know, what's easier to fix, being a processor or 
being, you know, becoming more accurate. And the response I got was from all three guys, it's easier to improve accuracy than it is to improve processing speed. So that was, that was one thing that they all said. Um, one guy, the one that trains Josh Allen said that they go hand in hand. And he was saying like in Josh Allen's first couple of years, that was his biggest issue, right? He, he wasn't processing what he was seeing because he just wasn't used to be throwing, um, being thrown out like, uh, what the defense was throwing at him. He wasn't used to seeing that. So they were having guys start from a two high press building out to a cover three, you know, rolling all these different things, giving them all these different looks and, his processing was slower. That led to him being very inaccurate. Well, come the year three, the game slowed down for him. Now he's processing the field extremely well. He understands where he needs to go pre-snap or, you know, if he needs to buy time or whatever, he knows what he's looking at. And then, boom, all of a sudden he's a 70% passer. So what happened with Josh Allen where people will probably be like, oh, how do you improve his accuracy? It, it really had more to do with him um, becoming a, a faster processor understanding what the team wanted him to do, like, you know, being in his uh, offense for three years now or, you know, two years prior, and and then understanding what he's seeing out there and the game just slowed down for him, and that allowed him to be more accurate. So, um, you know, with, 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 with Justin Fields, again, being a slow processor, which sounds like that's his biggest knock, it definitely sounds like it's something that he can improve on. Right, and we were having that conversation about this, and a lot of it, so much of your consistency and your processing has to do with with your comfort in a system and how much time you spend in it. And I think a lot of it too. You, we mentioned this on the phone earlier. Is just where you go, you know, and 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 what that coach is willing to do to adapt the playbook to your comfort level. And you know, it, it, there's so much made about how much rookie quarterbacks uh, have to take in, especially if they're starting in the first year. That to me a little bit is on the coaching, and and you can you can scale things down. And I know you said that Josh Allen, uh, you know, he was struggling even with a limited, you know, a, a slice of the playbook when he first started. But it's it's just there's just a natural progression in things, and I think a lot of these NFL teams, uh, uh, you know, and and people with that talk NFL are losing that patience that's required. I think with the and way he people said talk about issue. that, my, right. my guy said that's a big issue. He said a lot of times these teams go to these crappy situations and everything around them is crappy, you know, especially when you're drafting, typically when you're drafting the top five, it's really crappy situations. And he was saying that, you know, a guy who's struggling to kind of figure these things out and he just needs time, teams give up on them a little bit too quick. And we're kind of seeing that with like Sam Darnold, right? Where everything around him has been crappy. He's had a tough time just, um, you know, following them, you know, like improving from year to year. And then now it's like, oh, no, let's get him out of here and let's get in someone else. So, like, you know, he did kind of um, bring that up as well where people, like, their their patience for it, even though it's like, hey, you went to a crappy team. You know, it's not like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Like, they went to ideal situations. And every, for everybody, they'll talk about the Texans and whatever and that whole thing with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was taking that team to the playoffs with Brock Osweiler and – and and Brian Hoyer and who else? They were going to the playoffs. Like both of those teams, when they got their quarterback, they were trading up from what pick twenty seven and pick twenty five or something like that. So those quarterbacks went to um, much better situations, and you've seen their career trajectory kind of go up. Like right, they look better, they look good, they did good. And and like even with the Buffalo, where they had just went to the playoffs the year before they got 
Allen. They traded up for Josh Allen. Then they missed the playoffs. Then they've been to the playoffs the next two years. So that 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 organizational structure definitely matters. It definitely matters. And people kind of miss that context and just expect these young guys to come into a situation and be the savior of an organization, and they're not going to be that. They need time, especially if their roster is so bad. Right, and the, you hear the way, and I know uh, me and Mechie just mentioned it right now, and you hear the way people talk about Tua, and it's like the way people talk about the, the season that Tua just had wasn't that probably wasn't that different than what Josh Allen's first season looked like. And it, it's like imagine if people just lost their patience in Josh Allen, what he's doing now would have never become a thing, and that whole career arc maybe would have never been seen because then he would have been I don't know, either relegated to backup or sent to another team. And people just lose their patience too early and they don't have any respect for uh, the learning curve that comes with a position that comes with, you know, one, the learning curve to playing in the NFL period at any position, let alone the most intense and difficult position to play with the most, you know, knowledge being crammed into your brain. It just seems like people are way, way, way too quick to move off of that too early. Uh, and, and just just give it some time, and you never know. I mean, maybe by year three you've got a pretty good idea. But, again, it's all about the situation, and I feel like we can feel pretty comfortable no matter which quarterback the 49ers take. I feel like we can we can be pretty comfortable with the situation they're going to find themselves in. One, they're joining Kyle Shanahan, who might be the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. And, you know, one of the things I've, I've heard used about, you know, Mac Jones was, well, he had a great offensive line and he had great talented players. And whichever rookie quarterback the 49ers take, they're going to be throwing to Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. And, and, you know, so with, and no matter whether it's Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert in the backfield, they're going to have a good running back with them. So the fact that, you know, all of these quarterbacks are going to have a talented offensive coordinator and they're going to have great weapons to throw to. So they're all being put into a pretty favorable situation. The 49ers, again, this, this, you know, we said this when they were when they got Nick Bosa, they were they had no no business being having the number two overall pick. That's why they went to the Super Bowl the year after. This is very very similar. The 49ers, you know, by way of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, didn't have any really reason being number twelve. They were like a playoff team that got shit luck again, and now they're at number three because they decided to put their cojones on the table and make a move for what they believe is going to be a franchise quarterback. So, it's you know, obviously they had to pay to get there. But, again, you've got this very talented football team that's sitting with the third overall pick. And this quarterback that, you know, everybody's 99% sure they're going to take is going to get to drop into a situation that not most rookie quarterbacks find themselves in. So, you know, you can feel good about that. I believe that no matter which option, which quarterback you prefer, which one you like the most, the, he's going to step into a pretty good situation, and I feel like we'll get to see, you know, some pretty solid things no matter what. So, I mean, my take on Justin Fields, you know, obviously it's a little – you you heard it all from, from, from Crocker. It's just he's kind of like – you know, he just has a really intriguing blend of all the tools you could want from a quarterback. And and obviously Crocker mentioned the, the processing. We'll kind of have to see how that develops over time, whether it's with the 49ers or with another team. But if there's just, I mean, the dude is this really unique blend of, he's a he's decent size. I think he's 6'2". Um, he's, he probably runs a 4'3 to 4'4". He 
throws the ball like a, you know, he stands in the pocket, throws the ball like a normal, like like he does all of these things together. And it seems like, you know, with a lot of running quarterbacks, you see them bailing on plays a little too early. Uh, they'll take off running because they just don't feel comfortable and with what's in front of them. There's, you can tell there's sometimes where like, I need five yards. I ain't throwing this bitch. I'm running. I'll get it. You know, and he doesn't really seem like that. He just seems like a guy that's got all the tools you would want and doesn't have a problem making any single throw. So for the fact that, that and I feel like Trevor Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson both offered that same. It's like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields are all kind of molded from a very similar, you know, kind of like a very similar mold. They're, they're not the same, of course, but they all kind of offer that unique blend of the athleticism of the modern quarterback with, you know, the still the throwing ability and the patience to pull it off. So the fact that the 49ers could get Justin Fields at three, even after Trevor Lawrence and somebody like Zach Wilson could go one and two, it, that's why they gave up what they gave up to get the three, because, you know, either they know they, and we'll talk about this later. They probably have good information on who's going to be at three because, you know, a lot of their best friends are on the team at two. So they're going to be happy with who they get. Now let's, let's get into Trey Lance. And to me, like <laughs> Trey Lance is something else. And I know that his, his experience or his lack thereof is kind of, you know, is obviously his biggest stopping point for a lot of people in the chat, but he is, he is a freak, man. Like this guy is six, four, like 230 pounds. He has legs like a linebacker, but he's still fast. He has a massive arm. He could probably throw the ball like 80 yards, maybe, maybe more. He just has a massive arm. He he knows how to take care of the football. He didn't throw a single interception during the one season, uh, you know, his his main season, not 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 including that one game. And he just kind of he just makes it look pretty easy. And then he just goes and runs for like twelve hundred yards and, and ten touchdowns on top of everything else. So I mean, I don't know, like. If you were looking to me, if you were looking for the highest ceiling of any quarterback in the draft, I would probably say it's Trey Lance. Like that guy could just end up being this dominant force and he just has all the tools and and physical traits to do it. And and obviously he must have a decent processor, a decent, you know, a concept of what's going on to go an entire season without throwing an a single interception. That just doesn't really happen. It just you would think you would accidentally throw one every now and then or one would get tipped or something. Um, he's just a – I mean, it's it's fun to watch. I'll say that. Watching Trey Lance is just something different. I mean, he's going to – I told Crocker earlier, he's going to throw touchdowns and then run over an NFL linebacker because he's just an absolute beast. So, I don't know. What were your – what were I know you, you – as far as your, your, your quarterbacks, Croc, you liked, you've always liked Trey Lance, not quite as much as Justin Fields. So, what are your thoughts on Trey Lance and, and what he's – what he brings to the table. Yeah, no, I, I like them both a good amount. Um, I think the thing with Trey Lance is it, it's just harder to, like, give up so much to trade up for someone with so little experience. But Exactly, I mean, yep. Yeah, but, you know, and, and that's my toughest time with it. But if you're just going off of, like, you know what, like, I, I'm not going to judge him off of anything but just what I see, then there's a, excuse me, there's a lot to like, right? Like, like you talked about just the big arm, the, like, ability to throw the ball downfield, um, you know, him being so comfortable being able to play under center, which is something that Justin Fields did a lot too, which I didn't notice at first, but Justin Fields played under center a good amount as well, but not nearly, I don't think, as much as uh, Trey Lance. 
But just his ability to, you know, kind of diagnose things really quick. He was hit and miss with his reads at time. Like there were a couple of times where I was watching some film and I'd see him like shy away from throwing this slant, you know, but if he would anticipate it and just threw it, it was like a big window. Um, but for the most part, I thought he did very well with what was asked of him. I think a lot of people are going to point to the fact that he didn't have a lot of attempts, right? I think he only attempted or completed, I think he only completed 20, uh, 20 or more uh, completions in the game one time um, all year. So, like, you know, j- just his volume of attempts isn't there. Um, extremely young. He's only 20 years old right now. So we're talking about, you know, pretty much a six foot four, 225-pound kid uh, that's still kind of, like, you know, maturing, you know, his body and everything. But um, the physical tools are there. The ability, you know, his ability to make throws from all over the field is there. Obviously, the running ability and from the conversations I have had, I had today, the two, two of the coaches, two out of the three of the coaches that I talked to, liked him more than Fields. The now, when that, they w- did they say uh, specifically why they liked him more? Um, they just they, I didn't like ask specific like why, but I do know they said they felt like he had the highest ceiling, and one of them said they they felt like he had the highest ceiling of any quarterback in his class. I, yeah, I, I can see that easily. Now, I, I don't think that I don't think that's saying that necessarily that Justin Fields or whoever can't be better. I, I think he would probably also have the lowest floor, given you really right. have n- not as much not not now, as much of an idea of what to expect. Now, here's something to compare it to. All right, like just so, like so for context, and and this is why I always look at like just just scout what like what what are you seeing? Like what are you seeing from him? What can he do? Because and I'm not saying he's this guy, but when you look at Cam Newton, who, you know, won on Heisman. That was, yeah, that was the first player and, I thought. And, and was a first player, you know, taken in, in that draft. Cam Newton threw 20 passes or completed 20 passes once at Auburn. Remember, he only played one year at Auburn. So he played he played at Florida, but barely played. He was behind, like, Tebow or whatever. So he didn't really play. Transferred to the junior college for a year. Then played at Auburn. So he had one year pretty much of experience. Obviously, in the SEC, um, won a national, like, I mean, great, right? Won a national title, like, do all that. But if you just kind of look at, like, for people that want to point out volume and stats and everything, Cam Newton one time completed 20 passes um, at Auburn once in that year. And then when he got to the NFL, in his first two starts of his career, he threw for over 800 yards. So I, I, I say that to say, like, like let, let's judge them off of their ability and I know everybody wants to point to the stats and everything, and even me, like the inexperience kind of scares me a little bit, especially at the FCS level because I don't know exactly what I'm getting. But if if I just – if they like him a lot, and, and again, you just look at his ability and what the upside is, I, I you know, it's it's all there. From that standpoint, it's all there. Right, and I think that there's – the you know, and I see Fred in the chat just like – you know he's he's in the trenches throwing his his Justin Fields grenades and he's just you know like he said dying on that hill and, and I just think that it's they're not the same like it's, Justin Fields and Trey Lance are not the same and 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 every coach wants to have a guy that they, that they obviously are calling like their guy and I just think that in terms of like looking at a prospect and thinking about what you can mold him into, which is what Kyle Shanahan's going to be doing with either of these guys, whether it's Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. It's pretty undeniable that Trey Lance is like the 
you know, the ultimate clay as far as, you know, his size, his weight, his running ability, his, his arm, his arm talent, his decisions, you know, and I believe doesn't, didn't the offense he plays in kind of resemble that of, of, of a little bit more of like a pro style offense at, at North Dakota? Yeah, I mean, it was a very run-heavy offense. They had, like, three running backs that they cycled through um, running the ball. They all ran hard as well. Um, and then they had, like, one receiver, <laughs> number one, who was always, like, if you watch any highlights of of um, North Dakota State, usually he's on the receiving end of, like, all the plays. <laughs> um, 6'4", cat, I heard he runs, like, 4'3", too. So, and you kind of see that. Like, he, he's actually a good receiver. Um, but they yeah. did a lot of different things with him. But, yeah, I mean, they played a ton under center. They would go into shotgun. I'm, you know, it's not like they just didn't do it at all. But yeah, they they ran more of a, I guess you could say, traditional offense. Right, and and I'm, what I'm trying to say though is that, you know, like I don't necessarily think there's a wrong answer between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Obviously, there's a much bigger question mark when it comes to Trey Lance because of his experience. But if you're talking about, you know, something that Kyle Shanahan could look at, because I have heard that the 49ers have liked Trey Lance for quite some time, you know, if you look at that, there's a little bit more there to to kind of like, you know, get excited about. Now, that I, again, I, I say that and I kind of walk myself back because I'm in no way saying that Justin Fields is not an exciting prospect because I was just sending crop clips of him last night being like, damn, this is sweet. And and so I'm I'm really just trying to walk the fine line of saying that, that if the 49ers were to go the route of Trey Lance, I wouldn't be like, damn, how could they do this? I would be like, okay, risky, especially like you mentioned, Croc, giving up two first-round picks to trade up, you know, to get a guy with a very limited experience. That takes some serious balls. But at the same time, if you're if you're going for broke and you want the guy that you feel gives you the best chance to maximize that ceiling, if Kyle Shanahan is this cocky motherfucker that we think he is, then he's looking at that like I can take this guy and I could turn him into an absolute megastar. Then maybe he would lean Trey Lance just because of but 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 again I say that and Justin Fields could have the same chances of, of becoming you know the same type of star. So it's really just we're kind of just you know skirting between the lines. And hey, on the speaker requests, I will uh, we will get to them. I just wanted to make sure we got through kind of like our main topic and then we'll kind of steer towards you guys and, and the questions and stuff. Um, so, I mean, Trey Lance is really intriguing. Obviously it's just a pro day, but watch his pro day, watch his tape. Like the guy just has a, a freak way of playing football and it, it's rare. It's rare for a quarterback to play like he does. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see what, what, what kind of happens. Don't get so scared about the numbers. Let's like, look at like, evaluate him, like evaluate him. Like what is he doing? What is he able to do? Like, you know, okay, does he miss throws? Like, okay, where's the lack in accuracy? Like, okay, I see it right here. Like, can he improve on that? Like, evaluate him. Don't don't look at a stat sheet. Like, when I'm evaluating anybody, whether it's a, a receiver, a cornerback, like, I don't look at numbers. I don't look at their stats. I look at them. Like, when I was watching DK Metcalf, and he only had 500 yards that year, and hurt, like, I'm not, well, I'm going to pass, pass on DK Metcalf because he has 500 yards? Like, I'm looking at him. <laughs> Like, what, right. what is he doing? What is he capable of do, And how does that fit with what I want to do? When it comes to uh, uh, Trey Lance, like, okay, they didn't ask him to throw the ball a lot. But I'm looking at, like, all right, wh- where does he win? Like, where is he good at? What can he do? How can that fit with some of the things that I want to do? And can he improve on, like, 
because they didn't throw the ball a whole lot, does that mean I can't throw it? You know, I'm like, I need to find those things out. Like, but I'm not going, oh, well, he, he didn't do this. So, like, nope, I don't, nope, I don't want him. Like, that, I think that would be kind of foolish to do with somebody that possesses so much talent. Well, and it's not even that. It, it, the, the, he's doing this at, like, what was he, during that 2019 season, what was he, like, 19 years old? Yeah, 19, because he's only 20 now. He's only 20 years old right now. Right. So you're talking about a guy who, in his first full season as a starting quarterback, is already executing things at an incredibly high level. Uh, He's doing things that you wouldn't even expect a quarterback that had been in college for two or three years to do. He's doing it at a young age. And you can't blame somebody like Shanahan for looking at that and saying, if this guy is doing this, already, then imagine what I can do with him. And, yes, he's playing at a higher level in the NFL, but he's also playing alongside higher-level players with higher-level coaching. And, and, you know, you also, like I said, you got Kyle Shanahan who walks around like he he owns the field. So you're just talking about a guy who, who threw 2,800 yards, 28 touchdowns, no interceptions, and then ran for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns at 19 years old. Like that is, you don't see that very often. So that what I don't want people to do is just assume that because Trey Lance has limited experience, that there is no reason to take him there. Like there's stuff there that is is pretty rare and pretty unique. But you know, it just takes some very very serious stones to take a player with that much limited to trade. Not only just take a player to trade up from twelve to three, giving up the next two first round picks for him. You know, that that's a bold move for somebody with limited experience like that. But I don't think that people should act like there's nothing to like there because really watch – if you think there's nothing to like, you've got to watch Trey Lance with a with a clear eye and watch that dude just take and, over and games. This, this is the thing. I'm reading some of the comments in the chat, and they're saying, like, against poor competition. Like, no, he's the – F, the FSC – I mean, the FCS, like, it doesn't suck. Like, it's good competition. And, like, he's playing against talented guys. Like, now, is it the SEC or anything like that? No. But I think it would be comparable to, like, you know, whoever Fresno State is playing against. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like in the Mountain West or whatever or the WAC. Like, it, it ain't like – it's not like it's just, like, trash. Like, there's some good there's some good teams and he's playing against them. But, again, he's also playing with those type of players, right? Like, right, he's not right. playing – he's not playing with SEC guys. Now, yeah, he's at a really good program. But he's not playing with SEC guys. So the same guys that he's playing against and competing against, he's playing with those same type of guys. You know what I'm saying? So I know people, they'll point out to the competition, but it's like, well, I, I'm not playing with G- Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs either. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not playing with those guys. So, you know, again, like, let's evaluate what he does. Okay, ooh, nice far hash throw. Good. Okay, put down the line. Oh, missed this read. Oh, okay, like. Look how he threw this over, you know, outside shoulder. Damn, he threw this in between three guys to the back corner of the end zone, like, from far hash. Like, that's very impressive, regardless of who you're playing against. So those are the things that you have to look at when evaluating this guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like not, not all this other, like, crazy stuff. I think that's a good point. When you look at stuff, like, like for some reason, does that, that far hash throw on a 10-yard out – not count because the level of competition wasn't high enough to round him? Or is he going to do the same thing at the next level, especially in a scheme where Kyle Shanahan's going to give him a favorable chance that that guy's going to be open? He's going to be he able to do very it. Least, he at the very least has the ability to do it, and that's what right. you want to see. Right. And and so, you know, I, I do think – I do feel like the far as the gap 
between what Justin Fields gives Kyle Shanahan's offense and Trey Lance gives Kyle Shanahan's offense is I don't think it's that big. I feel like you could kind of, you know, I, I just feel like there's success for both players. And, right. and I, I don't feel like if, you know, I just don't feel like if you're going to die on the the hill of Justin Fields, the, the hill for Trey Lance is like just a little bit to your right. Like it's, they're they're both very very talented prospects, and if you're looking for the freakiest one, it's Trey Lance. But you're also you're you're taking that freakiness with the risk that comes with a very limited sample size. So you know there's there's just there's just stuff there. Now, hold the on, last quarter, I, I know we're go. talking about like I, I'm looking at the chat and they're talking about like what Kyle Shanahan wants and likes and all that. Kyle Shanahan said that if Josh Allen would have came out in what 2017, they would have taken him. So, I mean, I, I think. I think Kyle, like anyone else, likes very talented players. Now, is there something that he probably, like, would prefer? I'm sure. But we're not talking about Lamar Jackson here. Like, this is not Lamar Jackson as a prospect. Like, you know, where it's like, hey, he's he's not a good passer, and his main trait is being able to run. Like, that's not what we're talking about with these guys. These guys are passers first. Whether it's Trey Lance, Trey Lance is a passer. Whether it's Justin Fields, he's a passer. This is not like the Lamar Jackson situation. Right. Right. It's just there there's a lot to like there. And and I I'm just basically what I'm saying is if the 49ers go that route, you still have cause to be excited because you know, now you've seen Kyle Sh- do and do and do people not realize that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch might know that this quarterback may be mean their jobs. Like they have now traded two first round picks you know, giving up the next year's two first-round picks to trade up for a quarterback that they are putting their stamp on and that they're going to ride with for probably the next three or four years. Like, this could mean their jobs. And so whichever quarterback they pick, it's not like they're, like, just putting a blindfold on and smacking a piñata and seeing which quarterback falls out. Like, they know this. And in order for them to make this trade, they've been digging into these quarterbacks for months. And and now they have finally decided, like, I lo- we can get this one. This is our guy. Let's go get him. And I don't really care what it costs. Obviously they do, but they didn't have to give up that much when you think about it. So they're putting their stamp. Whoever they're taking at three, they're putting their stamp on. And, and to me, that, that should bring you a level of comfort. Doesn't mean it's going to work out. But these guys have far more to lose than, than any of us. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's it's just interesting when you think about it that way and how much they're putting on the line. Now, the third quarterback that we have to talk about that is going to set the chat on fire is McCorkle Jones. I think I said that name right. Otherwise known <laughs> affectionately as Mac Bick. Crocker, just – Put a, put a little bit of a damp blanket on this fire, man. Tell me tell me about <laughs> Mac Jones. It doesn't have to be what you love about him. Just tell me about Mac Jones, bro. Well, I'll tell you what was not a damp blanket is 49ers head coach and GM going to his pro day while Adam Peters goes to Ohio State pro day. That must mean that they are selecting Mac Jones at third overall. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll say this about Mac Jones. I think he does a lot of things very well. Um, I, and we've said it all along on the podcast. I'm, I'm, we've said it in here um, in the locker room app plenty of times. We, w- The way we've talked about him is he does, like, when it comes to doing quarterback things, I think he does it, like, the best and most consistent. Whether it's, you know, everybody will talk about the offensive line that he has. They'll talk about the weapons. 
But I think he helps out his weapons just as much as they help him out. Um, he does a really good job of feeling pressure. Like when blitzes are coming, you see him do these nice little subtle slides to the right or slide to the left, just buy enough time for him to be able to get a ball off. Like he does a, little, a lot of little things that actually helps his offensive line when his offensive line is not right. Like I think he does a really good job with that. Um, he, uh, he's a terrific decision maker. Now when you watch his film, like when you just watch it, he'll, he'll, he makes some weird throws at times. But for the most part, like, he's will, he's willing to be aggressive and push the ball down the field. I think he does a good job there. Um, he is not a runner by any stretch of the imagination, but he can take off for 10 yards. Like, he can. He can. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, and it, it might be look a little different in the NFL because now you have, like, freaky, freaky guys chasing you. But um, he, he can kind of take off a little bit. Um I, I think when it comes to him, and, and this is my perspective, when I look at him, I see Kirk Cousins. Like, and that's not a knock. I think Kirk Cousins is Kyle is Shanahan really good. just joined the locker room. Um, <laughs> I think if Kyle Shanahan says, hey, I'm fine with having Kirk Cousins in that type of ceiling, then I think he very well could take Mac Jones. Now, I have a couple issues with that. One – Nobody in their right mind, nobody ever in the history of sports ever would ever give up or use three first-round picks on Kirk Cousins. Nobody. It it uh-huh. never happened, right? It, it, that will never happen. And when I say use, they 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 lost two um, future picks, and they have to use the third overall pick. So we're talking about three first-round picks on on Kirk Cousins. That would never happen. And when I look at Mac Jones, he is that type of guy. His arm is solid. Like, he throws a really good deep ball. His arm is not strong in the sense of being able to make certain throws um, off uh, kilter, like off platform, right? Like, just, oh, I'm going to roll out and I'm just going to make this throw. Like, like that that throw that everybody went crazy for um, Zach Wilson, even though it was shorts and T-shirts, but rolling out to the left, drifting left, and throwing back right across his body like 60 yards downfield. They will never script that for Mac Jones, ever. He won't ever attempt to pass like that. So when you just talk about just pure talent, he doesn't possess that. He does possess the ability to play good football, good quarterback football, and probably has the highest floor out of most of these guys. But the upside and risk-reward is not there. So when you're playing with him and you go to play against Josh Allen and you're watching Josh Allen do all these freaky things, you're still going to wish that your quarterback can do that and he won't be able to. Are you going to want to pay him a second contract of $120 million or more? Like, you're probably not going to. So my thing is, if I would look into him being good, or, or I, the way I kind of explained it was, if I were a, a team that's in the playoffs, like, I can't pick top five. I can't pick the big dogs, like the guys with the high, super high ceilings, right, the really talented guys. If I can't pick one of those guys, and I'm in, you know, I'm where the Patriots are, I pick 15. Okay, I'll take Mac Jones there. If I'm where the uh, Washington football team is, like pick 18 or whatever, I take Mac Jones there. If I'm where the Colts were before Carson Wentz or um, or the Bears or like if I'm down that road where I can't I can't look into any of these guys, other guys, then yeah, like I'll, I'll take Mac Jones, but I can't take him over these guys that are just freakishly athletic, freakishly gifted, and what the upside of them can be because they are playmakers, they are game changers. Mac Jones is not that. Mac Jones is a good quarterback, and he possesses the ability to do a lot of really good things, 
but he's not he's not transcending from in, in in any way possible. So the way I look at it is, is it a little riskier going with a Lance or a Fields? Yeah, but scared money don't make no money. That's how I look at it. And <laughs> you know who wasn't scared and who stays aggressive? Kansas City Chiefs when they moved up 17 spots to get Patrick Mahomes. You know who wasn't scared? Um, the the Houston Texans when they moved up 10, 15 spots or whatever to get uh, Deshaun Watson. And they put him in a great situation. You know, so, like, you you can't be scared and you have to just play it out and hope that, the you know, the, the risk-reward is there. I don't see that with Matt Jones. I do see a good quarterback, and he can – I. If somebody says he's going to have a 12-year career and, and be a solid starter, I could see that. Is Mac Jones ever going to be the reason your team wins the Super Bowl? He's probably going to need things to be good around him, more like uh, a, a Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, I like Mac Jones. I don't want to come on here and say, but I would never in a million years take him at pick three. Like that, right. that I would not. That, that, that going that safe route, that's like picking Solomon Thomas at three all over again. Because, well, he does this well, he does this well, he's really safe, we know he's a good guy, this is going to be a good football player. So we're going to draft Solomon Thomas over some freaks like Jamal Adams and these other guys that were like, you know, they had way more, you know, just talent, ability, pure, raw talent. There were guys, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback, like there were guys that were being mocked to the 49ers, like Lattimore and those guys, and they didn't do it. Mika Fitzpatrick. You know, high upside. Derwin James, high upside. No, we're not. We're going to go the safe route. We're going to go McGlinchey. But at some point, when you're getting your ass kicked by the Buffalo Bills and this quarterback Josh Allen, you can't figure out how to stop him. And you know that there was some. You know, it took a it took a couple years for him to get there. But you can't stop. There was nothing the 49ers could do. You want nothing. to put yourself in position to be that guy. Whereas, like, goddamn, I hope this quarterback doesn't kick our ass this week. Nobody's worried about Mac Jones. So, I mean, I agree with everything you said. There, I am not about to, to go to bat for Mac Jones. I just felt like, and you heard me say it, and, and it started out in private, like when we would get done recording our podcast, and I would be like, hey, like, Crocker, like, why does everybody not like Mac Jones? And and you'd be like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, he does quarterback stuff pretty well. And, you know, then it, it was just this funny, like, evolution of, because what I would what I would do is I'd hear I'd see people say I don't like Mac Jones, and then I'd watch him play and I'd be like, man, why don't people like this guy? I'm like, because they see Jimmy. That, that's right. Well, and and it's like to me, it's like when I look at Mac Jones, it, they're it's not as sexy as as some of these you know the running quarterbacks. He doesn't have quite the pop in his arm as some of these other quarterbacks. He's not near as fast. He's not near as athletic. But in terms of playing the quarterback position, he's pretty fucking good at it. Like you don't, I don't care if you're at Alabama. You don't just necessarily do the things he did. And there were some pretty freaky throws mixed among the easy ones. You know, some. You know, I think somebody was like, he doesn't make any tight window throws. And like, I literally watched like five minutes of Mac Jones, and I was like, damn, that was a tight window throw. So it's, there's a lot of stuff getting thrown around that's just like kind of unreasonable. Like it's just like reckless hate for no reason. You know, the guy threw – I don't care if it's for Alabama. The guy threw 41 touchdowns to only four interceptions and 4,500 yards and completed almost 80% of his passes. Like, you don't just suck at quarterback and do those things. Now, the thing is, is you just got to know what you're going to get from a Mac Jones. Like, And I don't think that that is – what you're going to get from Mac Jones is the person that the 49ers trade up to three to get. Uh, you know, 
like you said, you said it all better than I could say it. It's like if you're sitting at 12 and all the, you know you wanted a quarterback and all the other ones are gone, you know, maybe you could take yourself a Mac Jones. But, you know, he just doesn't seem like somebody you sell the farm to get. But the biggest thing with me, I was like, man, like I'm sitting there looking at Mac Jones and I'm like, okay, so you got this good offense full of really talented players and they're playing against pretty good competition. And he's just running the offense to a tee and throwing lots of touchdowns and doing good things, moving around the pocket well, executing the offense. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, isn't that what Kyle Shanahan's going to ask his quarterback to do? And so I'm, while I'm not advocating for Mac Jones, I'm just saying, like, when I was looking at it, I was like, isn't he going to get onto a 49ers team with a talented offensive coordinator and talented people to throw to? And now we know it's going to be a pretty well-improved offensive line, or should should be. And I'm just like, isn't he going to do all those same things that he's doing right now with the 49ers? The one thing he's not going to do is create his own magic. He's not going to take off running. He's not going to escape pressure multiple times like a Deshaun Watson play that you've seen over and over. It's just like, I just didn't, uh, the biggest thing for me was, did I like, was I like yearning for the 49ers to take him? Absolutely not. I was just trying to understand what people didn't like about him. Now, the one thing I will openly say that I don't like about Mac Jones is the fact that the dude looks like he's never hit a weight room in his life. Like, let's say he did run a 4-7 at his pro day, which like was what they timed him as. And it seemed, I don't know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But he could have ran like a 4-6 or maybe even less. And his arm strength could have been significantly better if he just spent some time in a gym and did some things that were physically, you know, impressive. Like the guy looks like he played Call of Duty all his life and just happened to be good at quarterback. Which is like, crazy because he didn't he didn't initially look like that. He was slimmer, like, and <laughs> he was like regular looking, like you know what I'm saying. And then. And then he got like that, which I, I don't – maybe he just started drinking beers once he turned 21. I don't know. but <laughs> Tom, Steve um, Young was in hella good shape, bro. Joe Montana didn't, but Steve Young was in really good shape, and Steve yeah. Young was fast as hell. Yeah, I don't know if he just started drinking, like, a bunch of beers once he turned 21. But um, Mac, Mac Jones, man, like, again, there is a lot to like for him. I, I just can't take I, – I know what he is. He is a solid quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. I think I saw somebody say, well, wouldn't you want the most pro-ready guy? No. I don't want the guy that's the most pro-ready. I, I, I no, don't care I, I wouldn't that. either. Yeah, I like, wouldn't either. Because at the end of the I day, once either. you get to the league, like you're in the league. So being pro-ready or whatever, like Josh Rosen was the most pro-ready coming out. Josh right. Rosen was more pro-ready than uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, Aaron, uh, 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 Donald, uh, Darnold, John, uh I'm thinking about his name. Darnold, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen, uh, 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 Lamar Jackson. Josh Rosen was the most pro-ready in that class. And uh, Jackson has an MVP. And Josh Allen damn near was, you know, he was up for MVP. So that whole pro-ready thing, like, I know everybody's looking at, like, right now, like, right now, right now. But what about the next 10 years? What about for the next 10 years? Right. What do you? What's the goal? Because uh, having a quarterback that's ready right now, maybe that benefits you for one or two years, and then you want the quarterback with the highest ceiling. Like, I I never really thought pro ready was really that big of a deal. And the thing I, the reason I mentioned the whole workout thing, Fred, is to me it's a little bit of a red flag that a prospect who's 
who's trying to reach the NFL. I, I understand that NFL workout regimen can help a player, but if you're talking about a player's work ethic that's trying to reach the NFL and and have a uh, you know a long and steady career, and and they they're in college when they have the most energy that they're ever really going to have in their entire life and the most time to to do it, and they still haven't found the to you know, go look at Alabama's. Workout regimen. Go look at Alabama. Go look gym. at their weight room. Have you seen their weight room? That's what oh I mean. My goodness. That's what I'm saying. It's like you have all those things already, and you didn't oh, want to get in the gym. On. You know. So, so, so Jared, Jared in the group said Big Ben hasn't sniffed a weight room ever. Go back and look at Big Ben coming out of college. He wasn't this what <laughs> Big Ben looks like right now. Like <laughs> Big Ben was looked a lot different when he came out. He was mobile. He was able to move. He was able to run. Like, Big Ben looked different, and he's bigger. And he's just bigger and more physically gifted. We're talking about somebody, what, what Big Ben, like, what, 6'5 or something like that? Like, he's bigger. He had a big arm. Like, Mac Jones is little, like, in the sense of, like, when you look at these other, like, he's only 6'2". He's not big. And then on top of that, he's not very mobile. And then he doesn't have, like, a live arm. So you can even look at somebody like uh, Zach Wilson, who he's 6'2". And 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 at six two, but he's very mobile. He can extend plays, and his arm is way better than Mac Jones. So like, when you start looking at upside, it's like, well, you're not physically gifted like the other guys. You don't have the biggest of arms. Like you don't have a terrific work ethic. You're not big. Like you're only six two. Like there's a lot there that's like, I, I get it. Like he does a lot of things well. And, and if I were a team that was a playoff team last year, and I'm picking in the twenties. I would definitely have him if I needed a quarterback, but I can't. I can't take him at three. Right, right, and that, and I feel the same way. I don't. I I do feel like there's a good chance that Mac Jones has a good NFL career, but to me, he's just not the the player that you you trade up to three to get. And I'm and I'm definitely not saying I, what, the comment I don't like is people that are just like, oh, Mac Jones would have been there at twelve. Whoa, whoa, like you have no idea of that. And I, we heard months ago that Mac Jones was never going to make it past eight. And now that looks more certain than ever, especially with the 49ers trading up. Because you know that, or you assume, you know, a strong chance that three quarterbacks go with the first three picks. Uh, Mac Jones might be the fourth. You know, like, I do not think, I, I do not think Mac Jones was going to make it to 12. And that's still, that's not my reason for trading up to three for him. But I don't think that the 49ers could have just sat at 12 and, and Mac Jones would have been there. Hold, hold on. Listen to this. So so we got somebody in the chat saying Big Ben has never worked out. Big Ben at his at the combine coming from Miami, Ohio. All right, coming from Miami, Ohio. He was six foot four, two hundred and forty one pounds, and ran a four seven one at the combine. A four seven five, excuse me. Four seven five at the combine. Like that's that's we're not even he's that's Mac Jones isn't even He's not nowhere near that. Like, one, he's way smaller. We're talking about somebody that's like 30 pounds lighter. He's shorter, doesn't have as big an arm, and he's slower. And we're talking about Mac Jones who ran at his pro day and still didn't run his pro day nearly as fast as uh, 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 Ben Roethlisberger coming out, who ran a 4.75 at his pro day, which is good for a quarterback. Like, that's faster than uh, – that's faster than um, – what's his name? Um, 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 Dak Prescott. So we're talking about that type of mobility from – from Roethlisberger when he was younger. I remember when Roethlisberger came out. Sorry about that. Sorry I had to cut you up. Right. No, no, you're good, man. You're good. So, you know, I don't want to stick on Mac Jones too long. 
I just think that there, I, I would not be surprised in the slightest if Mac Jones has a very good and, and long NFL career. It just doesn't – I just think people need to pump the brakes on how – what they think he can and can't do. But at the same time, he's also not the player that I think the 49ers trade up to number three to get. You know, you don't – it just doesn't seem like they'd sell, sell the farm for a Mac Jones. But, I mean, what do I know? We'll see. And then the last one I want to talk about real quick, Crocker, because I know that you we mentioned this too, is what does Zach Wilson bring – we're just going to – we're going to stick to the Trevor Lawrence at one. We're going to stick with that one. But let's say the Jets. I, I got some bad news. What? So I'm, I'm in this group chat, and Javier sent a screenshot from Brian Baldinger. So he 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 asked Brian Baldinger, like, you know, Javi. He asked Brian Baldinger, he's like, what's going on with Zach Wilson? And Baldinger replied, and he said, it's a done deal. As long as he passes his physical, he's going to the Jets. So I don't even know if you want to waste your right. time on him. But. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I, I do because because – there, there. To me, you know, there's still the chance. I do believe that the 49ers know exactly what the Jets are doing, or have a very, very, very good idea. Robert Sala is the head coach. Their former uh, Lafleur is the former receivers co- or passing game coordinator is now their offensive coordinator. Those relationships don't just go away because now you're on different teams. I can, you know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch still consider Robert Sala. And Mike LaFleur, good friends. Like, and if I believe that if the 49ers are like, dude, what are you guys doing it to? On in their own private conversations, the 49ers probably know. Okay, or they have a very good idea. So now the 49ers probably know what the Jets are doing, and then they're like, we need to trade up to three. So you know whether that tells you they like somebody other than Zach Wilson, or it could also tell you that maybe the Jets aren't taking who we think they are. And the 49ers might have a shot at somebody like Zach Wilson. Now, again, what you just said with Brian Baldinger, you know, maybe it, it, it could be a mute point. But I still feel like there's still, you know, what did you – because you were on that Zach Wilson train a long time ago, Croc. What did you like about Zach Wilson? And let's say by some chance he makes it to three. What do you – like, let's compare him to Justin Fields. What are they getting in, in Zach Wilson? I think with, with Zach Wilson – and again, I mean, he, you know, we talked about competition. He was playing against the same type of competition as uh, <laughs> as Trey Lance, right? Like, it wasn't that great this year. Like, he played against North Alabama and stuff. Um, but I think when you when you look at him and just kind of what it looks like, even against Coastal Carolina, who there is context there that people, they'll, they'll bring up the Coastal Carolina game. Oh, they lost Coastal Carolina. didn't look great. They didn't even find out they were playing Coastal Carolina until the day before. The day before, so Friday is like, oh, we got to play Coastal Carolina tomorrow. They hopped on a flight and played them out there, <laughs> you know. So right. there is context with some of this stuff. But um, when you watch him, it just looks like he kind of has, like, that it factor. Like, just the way he carries himself, his ability, like, the, the throws that he makes, everything looks, like, effortless and easy for him. Um, you know, whether it's contested balls where he's putting it up in position for his guys to actually make the play or just – buying a little bit of time to, like, side on a ball 30 yards downfield, like, on a line. Like, he just does these things where it's like, man, he's kind of playing with, like, these defenses. And, again, like, that might not happen in the NFL. I, I, I hope for his sake he doesn't get ruined by the Jets. Uh, we've seen what they've done uh-huh. to quarterbacks. But – and that's not a market where you can start slow. Like, we talked about people not being very patient now, like, with young quarterbacks. They definitely won't be patient in New York. 
So, and that's going to be a little tough for him to kind of, you know, he's going to have to hit the ground running. We'll see what they do. I'd assume if they draft him at two, which it sounds like they are, then they're going to trade Sam Darnold. I don't know who wants Sam Darnold right now, but I'm pretty sure they'll trade him. But um, so then it's like, all right, so Zach, like, you got to play right now. I hope they put him in position to, to succeed. And, and that's the thing that's going to be a little tough because the team, I mean, we're talking about an offensive line that was the worst in the league the last three years, literally the worst or, or bottom two in every year. So uh, there's a lot to like about him. Again, the, the, his ability, the way he carries himself, um, the confidence and all that, like, I, I like that throw. Again, with, so pro days are, it's scripted. Every single throw is scripted. And they just, at some point, they went on this little run for about five minutes of just of just attempting these ridiculous passes that most other guys would never attempt, especially at a pro day. Like, they're not going to attempt that. Like, we want to make our guy look good. You only do things that you know this guy is going to, like, drill it. And he started for about five minutes. Everybody shows that one where he rolled left and threw it and sidearm or whatever, flicked it 60 yards or whatever. But – there were a bunch of other throws, too, that were very similar to that. Like, he went on a run of, like, just, you know how fireworks, how they do, like, the grand finale? And it's like, you know, you got, for a while, you got your fireworks going off. Then all of a sudden, the grand finale comes, and it's like, boom, 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 boom. That's what it was with, with, with those throws, where he just started sidearming that here, there, flicking it here on the move. And I was like, God damn, it's impressive. I get it. Shorts and T-shirt, it's scripted, all that. But just the fact that he's attempting those, at the biggest interview of his life, that was, that was very impressive. Well, and I think that there's the, the you know, there, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. No pro days are, are not really an accurate representation of what that person's going to do at the next level. But that it, GMs and coaches that go to pro days know that. They're not there because they think that that's representing what this player is going to do at the next level. They just want to see the player in person. They want to see him throw the ball in person. They want to hear how the ball comes off of his hand. They want to hear what it sounds like when it hits the receiver's hand. And they just want to see how the ball flies through the air. There's still some value there. Like Not just that. I, I had private workouts, private NFL workouts. That was more nerve-wracking than any game I've ever played in, <laughs> than any game. I'm at the Eagles facility. There's 70, 70 people from the Eagles front office watching just me. Do you know how nerve-wracking that is? <laughs> like, and if you can't handle that pressure, then how are you going oh to handle Oh, my gosh. So I know people, they look at it, shorts, T-shirt, all that. They say, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, dude, if you want to feel pressure – and feel like the walls are closing in, be out there trying to backpedal while you're getting tired and you got 70 people looking at your every step, every move, checking off every little thing that you're doing. Like, that that was pressure. That was nerve-wracking. So for him to do that, it's just him. You got everybody from the NFL, they're right here. They're right, they're right behind you, watching you. And they're looking at your every – they're judging you and critiquing you on every little thing you do, from your feet, from your drop – from your arm, your angles, your shoulders, your, you know, did he sell this throw? Did he sell that throw? Like, did the ball hit the ground? Why was it dropped? They're looking at every single thing. That, that there's, there's a lot of pressure on, on those pro days. I don't care what nobody says. Right. And it's, it's just, uh, people just act like they're completely worthless. And it's just like, no, they're not necessarily there to simulate a game. 
but there's reasons. There's a reason they're held, and there's a reason coaches and GMs go to them because they want to get to see how that person, you know, is in in front of them, what the ball really looks like. Because you know, I do think that everything lives and dies with film. But seeing somebody in person may be able to give you a perspective that you hadn't seen yet, and, and maybe you like or don't like or whatever it is. And it's just, and obviously, Croc talked about the whole the whole pressure of everything. It, it's still a big deal, and it's it's just. You know, now that being said, if the 49ers did not go to a pro day of a player, that doesn't mean that they're not in the running. Like, like, oh, 49ers didn't go to this pro day, or John Lynch himself didn't go to this pro day, or Kyle Shanahan didn't go to this pro day. That doesn't mean that the that, especially if if you look at that like a part of the gamesmanship, like the 49ers aren't trying to tip their hand as to who they're going. You know, or where they're going because, you know, oh, because Adam Peters was sent to Justin Fields Pro Day, that must mean they're not going to take him because John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan went to Alabama. Whatever it is, that it's just not the thing. Like, it's not the reason they're not going to take a guy or the reason they do take a guy. So, to me, you got to just kind of know what it is, know what the value is, but not be willing to, like, live or die by what happens at a Pro Day. It just sometimes get overstated and sometimes gets understated. So it's kind of just like a weird little thing. But I see Fred's just so upset in the chat right now about Lance versus Fields. It's uh, it's just it's just funny. It's all right. It's all right. It, it's just it's an interesting conversation. And life would be a lot more boring if we just said, oh, we think they're going with Fields. Let's just talk about Fields for the next month. That would be a little weird. Um, all right, so before we get – I think we've kind of covered the quarterbacks well. Before we get to the chat, you know, because really that's what the entire rest of the podcast is going to be, is dedicated towards uh, your guys' questions, your speaker requests. Before we get to that, i got to get a quick word, on, word in for a program that Blue Wire is running called Blue Wire Hustle. Okay, so it, it, it's it's talking to you guys about hosting your own podcast with your own distributor – you know, joining up with Blue Wire Pods, okay? Blue Wire Hustle, it's created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top producers like Eric Crocker and myself, duh. Access to our... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks 
On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the other listening platforms. Best part is you can get it for 15 bucks a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me or us, talk about your favorite team, make your voice heard in Hustle, acceptance into the program's limited, get your application in today. To apply, you're going to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode of the podcast. Find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join for Blue Wire Hustle. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners, get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp.com slash G-O-L-D. All right. Let's get to let's get to you guys. I, again, I always feel like we need to get t- Crocker and I time to get through what we want to, you know, really what the point of the pod, the show is, and then we will transition to you guys and and you know open it up, open it up the floor. So if you have a speaker request and we're about to get to it, make sure that you are still. Hopefully, you're still here because la- for the first time last episode we had like two or three people that put in speaker requests and then they were just they were silent and it was really sad and I feel like well, I don't want that to happen to anybody again. So um, it also could have been an audio issue. So we'll see. Patrick. You are first, my friend. I am pressing the button right now, How's it going, guys? How's and you going? are on stage, dude. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, man. I appreciate you being patient, having that in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just gonna play a, a little GM, like I'm I'm John Lynch here at the third, and I I just have two picks that I would do. Um, one in my alternate universe, which I would just like to see from like a very fan perspective way. And the realistic one. Now, realistically, I think they're going fields just okay. from, the, from the fact that Kyle Shanahan had that experience with fields in that QB camp a while back. Right. Where he has that reputation with fields. I just think that's the easy pick. 
But in alternate universe, I would love to see the Niners take Kyle Pitts and watch George <laughs> Kittle and Kyle Pitts in, on the field together and be like, yeah, good luck trying to guard these two tight end sets. Like, I don't know how you would feel about that if that were to happen in alternate universe, but I just want to hear it. Crocker, what you think, man? Oh, we don't even actually – Crocker's not even I in here. I think we lost him. Crocker. Yeah, Crocker must have had an issue. He'll get back in here, and I'll get him back up there. But to me, man, like, would they would they trade two first-round picks to move up and get Kyle Pitts? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I, I think that that would be a little wild. But at the same time, again, you're putting on your just crazy scenario hat. I mean, it would be nuts. You're talking about an offense with, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who with all the talk of, of a new quarterback, obviously in this universe, that didn't play out. But, you know, maybe in his bag this year, just kind of uh, with the way the offseason's gone. And then you've got Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Kyle Pitts. Like, that's pretty re- – and then whoever – you know, it doesn't matter to me who the running back is, Raheem and his crazy speed, or Jeff Wilson just running like his hair on fire. That's kind of a crazy scenario. Like, Yeah, and the reason I really brought it up, too, was just because it's like when I look at this draft and I'm looking at outside of the quarterbacks, I think that Kyle Pitts is probably going to be the best offensive player from this draft. And when I was looking at Kyle Pitts' tape and everything, and I was just like, man, there is no way any defense could ever scheme against a team that has Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk. There's no way. And, and you can keep Jimmy G and you still have your $18, 17000000 million in cap space and move forward with that. But I don't think that's obviously going to happen, but that would just be a wild snake. No, it would. It would. It would be wild. Croc, are you back in here? Yeah, I'm good. I, my so, app, I closed out on my phone. so. Oh, it's all good. So what – I mean, we're, we're, if you didn't hear the question – Obviously, uh, Pat already said the like, you know, obviously that he thinks that the 49ers are going to take Justin Fields, but what would you, what were, what would some of be your, your thoughts if the 49ers just blew everybody's mind and took, uh, Kyle Pitts? I think it would be odd giving up three, you know, you have right. three first round picks on a tight end, like, especially when you have one, like three first round picks. Nah. No, right. no way. It would be uh, the what you might see on the field would be crazy. It just seems uh, pretty hard to believe, given what they give up. But hey, whoever to, they uh, take at three, they use three first round picks on him. Right. Yeah, it was just an alternate, yeah, we, it, guys, alternate universe scenario for. Yeah, for like, you got everybody freaking out in the chat. It's, yeah, he 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 clearly said in this crazy ass universe, what would it be like for Kyle Pitts to be on the field? Like like. Pump the brakes. But all right, Pat, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right, buddy. All right, let's go straight into the next one. We got Fred. Fred's been lighting up the chat with the passion. Fred, you are now on stage, man. You can you can light up the you can light it up with your voice now. What you got? Can you guys hear me? We can. All right. Uh, Yeah, you obviously see me going off in the chat being. Slightly over dramatic. I'm gonna <laughs> That's it. all right, and man. Just to be clear, I'm not talking shit about Trey Lance. Like, you know, the guy is an incredible athlete, can obviously do a bunch of different things. But, look, bottom line is, and I'm not convinced that Trey Lance fans understand this, he has 318 pass down. I feel like I've texted that like a million times today. He has 318 throws to his name in college and 286 of those were two years ago. The guy didn't really play last year. He had like a whopping 30 passes and like 15 completions last year. There's no way that you look at him and look at Fields 
if assuming that Kyle wants a dual threat quarterback, which by the way I've been championing for years, I think it takes this Niners offense to the next level. Uh, but if you're looking at dual threat quarterbacks and the choices are Justin Fields or Trey Lance, there's no way that you say it's it's Trey Lance. There's just no way. He has less experience against lower competition, and uh, that's all there is to it. Reps to me, like reps slash attempts, to me are more important in some ways than touchdowns because it tells you about what the quarterback's ceiling is. It tells you about his consistency. It tells you it, it allows him to practice reading the field, reading the defense, making decisions. So if you don't have a lot of reps slash attempts, you are not going to convince me to take you at number three overall compared to a guy that has like twice, I think Justin Fields has like twice the number of attempts or whatever. Um, but he's a running quarterback who can pass. Whereas to me, Trey Lance is almost like a, more like a running back who can throw the ball occasionally. That's all I got to say. I know some people will disagree, but no way in hell you take Trey Lance over Justin Fields. Never. Not in an infinite number of universes is there one <laughs> universe where you take Trey Lance over Justin Fields. That's it. And if I, I think you make very valid points. Like, I, I think right? the points that you're making are the things that, like, these NFL teams are going to have – they're going to be having those same type of discussions within their war rooms. So you're, you're not off base to say, like, that those things don't matter. I think there's just, there is going to be a team, though, that says regardless of that, like we and one thing I think you're discounting or not really like giving enough credit to, or I might be saying that wrong, but one thing that you're kind of overlooking, coaches are cocky as hell, and they yeah. are arrogant, and they feel like they can move mountains. So I think that's the one thing that like a lot of coaches feel like, man, bring them here. I I, I got them. I'll right. coach. Them. I told I I 100% agree with you, but here's my question to you. Is Kyle Shanahan the guy that one that that strikes you as a coach that wants to spend a bunch of time like teaching a quarterback how to be a quarterback? No, he wants a guy that's going to be somewhat ready. He doesn't yes, he's cocky that we all agree with that. But he doesn't want a guy that's going to come in and then he has to babysit for however long. Again, like I really want people to appreciate this. 318 throws in your college career is not very many throws. Uh, <laughs> Mac Jones, who we sometimes, like, people criticize him, he's only had 17 starts. Mac Jones had, like, 402 pass attempts last year alone, right? That was in one year. Trey Lance has 318 in three years. Now, sure, he they didn't play last year, essentially, and I'm not, like, Any trying to hold him for that. Right, that's not his fault, obviously, but the point remains, like, if you're looking at what tells you about the potential of a quarterback? And the, going back to the point of Kyle Shanahan, does Kyle Shanahan really strike you as the the coach that wants to like babysit a twenty year old who's had three hundred and eighteen passes in the FCS to teach him how to be a quarterback? Given the fact that we appear to be in like a win now mode, no, it doesn't strike me as that Kyle wants to do that. Kyle wants a guy, I think, I guess, who can run and throw the ball, still throw the ball most of the time, and that's Justin Fields. No no ifs, ands, or buts about it. First, The first thing I would say is is you can never be – I do think the chances are very good that the 49ers take Justin Fields over Trey Lance. But you should never be this passionate about what an NFL coach may or may not do 
because not only are they arrogant, but sometimes you're just plain stupid. And people do things that you don't agree with all the time. And the big thing with me is, yeah, Trey Lance does not have a lot of throws. But if you look at it in a more broad spectrum, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. Because, again, I do feel like Justin Fields is far and away the most likely option. But Justin Fields has two seasons as a starter. Trey Lance has one. And then you look – so there's not this – there is a big number of attempts in the difference. But if you're looking at overall experience, Justin Fields is not like this bastion of like this crazy four-year starter that's just – Yeah, that's – You know, like – and what Trey Lance did in that one season – now, again, also some context, a little bit lesser on the competition side, but – what he did in that one season is really impressive. So I do think there's something that coaches are going to look at and, like, love. But at the same time, like you said, you want to know what you're getting, especially if you're going to trade, give up two first-round picks just to get in the position to draft him. So I do feel like there's a lot more safety, and I don't feel like the drop-off or, or even like the – drop-off's a bad word – the ceiling between Justin Fields and Trey Lance is not like – there's not like this crazy okay. difference – Okay, and what they're my, capable of doing. Here's but, one more question for you guys. Do you guys think that – so you guys know Trey Lance rushed for 1,100 yards in that 2019 season, which is essentially the only season he's played, which in of itself is an incredible stat. Like, that's amazing. If you can – if you're a quarterback that runs for 1,100 yards and throws for, I think it was like 2,800, that's incredible. But do you guys really get the sense that Kyle Shanahan looks at a college quarterback who rushed for 1,100 yards and says, like, yeah, that's the guy that I that I want running the offense? Like, I just don't, I just don't see it. I mean, uh, the hey, Croc, before you before you get started, tell me because you said both or, or every single one of those quarterback coaches that you talked to today, I think it was today. Yeah, um, today, this morning. All of them preferred Trey Lance. Why do you think that is? And and or, or in a, in a different sense, why do you think the 49ers could prefer Trey Lance? I don't know, but that is a good question because if if those guys said that that they would prefer him, and again, one of them was saying like, you know, you you do have to factor in the you know all the things that he just brought up, but they did say that they preferred Trey Lance to Fields. So if they think these are coaches, like they've coached professionally, um, you know, they've coached at different levels professionally, they've coached quarterbacks, they played the, excuse me, they played the quarterback position, they said they prefer. So if they can think like that, there is a chance that the 49ers coaches think like that as well. And I'm not saying they will, but I'm saying there is a chance. Now, the other side to that is because you're talking about the numbers and everything, Cam Newton. He ran for 1,500 yards, like, or whatever it was at Auburn. Like, Cam Newton, he threw four more passes in his college career than, than Trey Lance did. So it's not like, I know, I know, I know what it looks like, but it's not like crazy. Like, we've seen it. And maybe we can say Cam Newton's an outlier. Maybe Trey Lance is the next outlier. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why I don't try to look at outliers. I don't look at outliers with anything, right? Like people talk about, um, they talk about uh, Devonte Devonte Smith, and they're like, "Well, he's 170 pounds, so if he's good, then he'll just be an outlier." But in my opinion, like, why can't he just be a good receiver? Why does it have to be an outlier? Because, like, you know, what I'm saying, because of his weight. Why can't you just evaluate him on what he does, what he does well, and how well he plays, 
and just say, hey, he's good at X, Y, Z. Why does it have to be like, well, he'd be an outlier because he's smaller than or skinnier than other people? So I think when you look at Trey Lance, it's like the same thing there. Whereas like, well, why does why does Lance have to be an outlier? Like, why can't he just why can't we just evaluate him on what we see and say, hey, he did this, 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 and this very well? I, like, I, got, I no, I totally you get saying? you. But but here's my question to you, Croc. Okay, you you mentioned Cam Newton, and you're right. He has I think he actually has like fewer pass attempts than maybe Trey Lance. I don't remember the exact. It wasn't that many. But here's my question to you. In a draft where you had Cam Newton, right, but then you had another quarterback who had Cam Newton's skill set that had like twice the number of attempts and let's say twice the number, because essentially uh, I think Justin Fields had like twice the number of total yards than Trey Lance. So given a year where you had two quarterbacks that were essentially the same, the running quarterbacks, but one had like twice the number of yards and twice the number of attempts against better competition, which I don't know what that would be because Ken News in the SEC, we all know that's the best conference in college football. <laughs> but um, but if you had a quarterback that is essentially Cam Newton but had way more experience against better competition, wouldn't you take the guy? Wouldn't you take that guy over Cam Newton? Uh, uh, and that's what that's what my whole thing comes back to is like I totally get the argument for Trey Lance as an athlete, as a guy that had no interceptions and rushed for eleven hundred yards. I'm not discounting any of that. That's incredible. Like I love that. But my point is, given the scenario where you have two quarterbacks that have essentially a similar skill set, but one has more experience uh, against better competition and who realistically you're going to expect to pass way more than you throw, right? There was that whole ridiculous stat with, like, um, in the championship game, the FCS title game, I think, in 2019, um, Trey Lance ran for 30 times and passed 10 times. Like, that's cool. I mean, like, that's fun. But did you, did you see the NFL. game? You're not going to run. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I know the argument. I know the it was, a was like, well, they couldn't stop it, so they just did it. No, they, I'm saying it was a blizzard. Like, it was, like, snowing and stuff. Like, it was hella cold out. <laughs> I don't – is that, like, a huge – I mean, does that make a huge difference? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, my question, again, is would you take a Cam – in the year the Cam came out, if you had a quarterback that had – was like him – but had, uh, like, twice the number of yards and twice the number of attempts, would you take Cam over that guy? And did did and you see Cam Newton coming out? I don't care how many yards or whatever. He had a cannon of an arm. He was freakishly yeah, athletic. Yeah, no, Cam was sick. I, like, I'm a so it was like, by the way. I don't so care. I, yeah. It could have been somebody that had 3,000 more passing yards than Cam Newton in that year, and I don't care. Like, this dude's a physical freak. He is a and that's, physical and that's that's the point is that and so and so there how, will be yeah, so would you be willing to bet your hey, franchise on on Fred's a guy about that, Fred's about to get booted from the podium right now for trying to speak right, over me. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, bro. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying that, that for some people it's not going to be as black and white as you see it. They may see things in Trey Lance that they think far surpass but, but what, what could that Hill what could that do. possibly be like there's nothing the that fact that he never even be. turned the ball over throughout all of college except for one time you know like there's there's you can't dude you can't okay, just be yeah, okay, you can't right. you got to understand that there's going to be other schools of thought that there's yeah, going to be no, other I, ways I, of I do that. it's it's just that. like you know they're going to they're going to see a guy that's much that's bigger that weighs more that's a little bit more of a freak that throws the ball a little further throws the ball a little harder uh you know that hasn't turned over 
may, as far as from their perspective, might have a faster processor, might handle their offense better. Like, you know, there's all these little things that could go into it. And it's not just like, well, I'm just going to ignore Justin Fields and I'm going with this guy because I'm an idiot. You know, there's like, there's a lot that goes into these things, but all right, we need to, all right, we, yeah, need, yeah, we need to get into it. Take any more time. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, I appreciate it, Fred, man. Yep. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for jumping in yep. here and, and lighting the fire. Uh, and there's people saying that Trey Lance, oh, he's 6'3". He really was 6'4". Like, he was like a shade, shade, shade under 6'4". So, like, he's a lot closer to 6'4 than he is 6'3". So I know people kind of throwing that, like, him is 6'5". Like, this dude is down there 6'4". Like, like, he's a big – Trey Lance is big. He's a big dude. He is. He is. Yeah. Uh, but I love it, though, man. Um, at the same time, you know, Fred, it's good to have an opinion and stick by it and go to bat for it. So I, I wouldn't say – that, you know, don't have an opinion. But at the same time, you got to also understand that there's a lot of people out there that may think, look at this completely different. And, and you know, they might have – for for the guys that Crocs talk to that coach and have coached in the NFL and coach quarterbacks, and for them to like Trey Lance more, obviously, like, there's something there that other people might see. You know, it, they're, they're not just all stupid. You know? And, so again, it, he it, scares me. And I said that. I said that, right? Like, right. I would yeah, be scared to trade up to three to get him. Like, I, I'm not disputing what, what you're saying. Like, I get it. 100% I get it. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be like, well, no, I'm not going to take him at all because of this. It would right. scare me, but I'm I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not going to take him. Well, and, you, and I know you mentioned it on Twitter. I saw you mention it where, and I loved it, dude. Um, What's the, 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 the NFL draft guy for ESPN that everybody likes to make fun of? Uh, why am I forgetting his his name? ESPN's most famous draft guy. Mel Kiper. The old guy. Yeah, Mel Kiper. He, and he went on that rant where you could tell there was true passion in his voice, where it's like, stop scouting with what's right in front of you and scout with a little bit of an anticipation. Like, everybody had all these knocks against Josh Allen, and now look at the dude. Like, don't, like, you're, you were, and you were saying the same thing. Like, look at what the guy does well and try to anticipate that at the next level. Like, it's not necessarily all about only what they've done. Like, you have to scout and with anticipation and projection, too. Like, you can't just say, like, this guy's done more, so that's my guy. You know, like. That's what is, he said. He said they said this about um, Justin Herbert. Um, he said uh, Josh Allen. And there's another J. It might be Justin Fields. Yeah, Justin Fields. Where he's saying, like, look, they say this about all these guys. They can't throw in anticipation. They can't do this. And he was like, well, you guys need to scout with anticipation. That's what he said, like, because a lot of these guys that you've said that about are throwing with anticipation right now, you know, right. like, yeah, project yeah. the talent. Like, what, like, what does the talent say he can do? That's what you have to look at. It's not all this. Once they step on the NFL field, like, it doesn't matter what you did in college. You, what you did in college, it makes no difference. It's all about what, what do you have the ability to do? How does that translate to the NFL? What does Trey Lance have the ability to do? What does he have the ability to do? We saw we saw Carson Wentz. Everybody can say whatever they want about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was killing stuff. He was an MVP candidate in his second year. He was a big reason why they went to the Super Bowl. Like he was like thirteen and two as a starter that year. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he was killing it, throwing for a bunch of yards, all that. Like, and he played well after that. Carson Wentz. He went to North Dakota State. He played against the lesser competition. You got to be able to project it. Now, why he's falling off a cliff, I don't know. But we've seen him <laughs> play very well. Where he's right. like, you don't, you didn't look at him for those three years or whatever. You didn't look like mm, he does not belong in the NFL. No, 
ah, you're like, damn, this is a top five quarterback. Everybody was saying that, top seven quarterback. Everybody was saying that. And then he just fell off a cliff this past year. And then people hate him. They don't like him. His teammates don't like him. That's a big – That's those are issues. So those are right. things you got to find out about a person. Right. Yeah, and it, so it, there's just – you know, and there's just so many nuanced things that goes into these player evaluations that it, you know, it, it, it just, you know, you got to appreciate the whole breadth of what people think and what goes into it. And the fact that somebody else, you know, we always talk about, you know, many minds can help solve problems, any problem. You know, sometimes people just have completely different ways of looking at things that kind of surprise you at first. And you're like, man, that's kind of genius. And that's the way player evaluation goes. Like Crocker was saying about DK Metcalf, like the dude only had 500 yards. Like, does that mean he's that's what he is in the pros? No, it's like this guy might like – you're getting into a completely different situation. So let's keep going. I don't want to keep keep rambling on about this because yeah, I want – Real land. quick, last thing, Fred, I, I wasn't saying that what you did in college – I'm saying once you're in the NFL – None of that matters. Like now you're, you're in the NFL. Once you get to the NFL and you're on that field, it doesn't matter. Like now they're, your, your clock starts, starts ticking. It's a whole new clock. It starts ticking on what you're going to be in the NFL. You, you in practice, they, I mean, obviously like where you're drafted, that's going to help you and save you a little bit. But whatever you did in college, once you, once you're in the NFL, that stuff don't matter. What you did at Alabama, that ain't going to matter once you step on that football field as a, as an NFL player. Right. And, and obviously Fred's not saying that college isn't a part of the process. I would say that college tape is, is probably the most, is the most important tool for evaluation, but you can't just like, like sometimes there's situations where you just have to, you know, where, where a player wasn't asked to do the same or a player wasn't required to do something. And you're like looking at the talent and it's like, damn, like, so it, it's just, there's, there's many. Obviously, we could ramble on about this forever. But let's get to Lance. Has had all, all these guys have had speaker requests in for a while. So let's get to Lance. Lance, you are on stage, my friend. How you doing, dude? Doing good, guys. Doing good, man. I hate that I missed it Friday. I was at work and I was like, oh, I wonder what Crock and I'm gonna say. And I was like, dang, they had a podcast while I was at work. Damn. But <laughs> <laughs> my bad, man. We had to jump on here. I know, man. But I just want to start off first off by saying and want to be on the record for all the fans in the chat that if we traded up to take. Mayo, McCorkle, Vic Jones. I will <laughs> Santa Clara personally and knock all that shit over. I will. I promise. <laughs> I'm a very even killed person, and and I'd be upset. Like, and and me and Rob, Rob knows me. I'm usually a go with the flow. Like, okay, this will we'll see how it works out. That would be the one time where I'd be like kind of dis- disgusted with the coaching staff. I'd be extremely dif- disappointed if if they did that. Okay, but just sort of switch gears a little bit because, like I said, we got we've been on Fields, Lance, and like I said, either way, I'd be satisfied, but I would prefer Fields, and I think it might be just because, like I said, the competition thing that's kind of hard to ignore. But I would say if we let's say if you had the opportunity, if you could flip like Rob mentioned on the other podcast, if you could flip Jimmy for a second, uh, and there's a player that you like sliding down late in the first round, would you take those two second round picks you had and try to move up to get them? Let's say maybe a corner or somebody like that. I'd say everybody has a price, so I probably would, but I, I wouldn't want to. I really want to go into the season with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. I would rather I would rather have him on this roster and not have to play a rookie. Now, if we're in a situation where you just have to, and, I mean, obviously the team around him is going to be good, like, great. But I, I don't want to have to. I don't want to put myself in that position to where I have to. But if somebody's offering, shoot, one second-round pick, I might, I might have to take that, but yeah, I definitely don't want to. 
Yeah, I think the 49ers are in a position where, where they know that, that having Jimmy Garoppolo in the building is a good thing. Like, yeah, the 49ers could save some money, and even I've advocated for that. But no matter what, you've got to realize that having Jimmy Garoppolo in that building is a good thing. He's going to – even if you want that rookie quarterback to start day one of the NFL season, like, you still have a, a veteran quarterback that's played at a very high level, that's gone to the Super Bowl, that's competing with that rookie quarterback, and if that rookie quarterback beats that man out, then you know you've got something great. So it's it's or or at least you think you do. So to me, there's no downside to Jimmy Garoppolo being in that building other than the money uh, that he's going to use. But again, you know, allowing that rookie quarterback, I've always said this: like even if a quarterback goes number one overall, if you've got a quarterback there that can start in his place and let that quarterback just sponge it all up then that's where I'm at. Like any time you can be – I said this to Croc on the phone earlier. I was like, hey, man, if somebody asks you, like, you you have six months or you have three months to study for this test or you have a year to study for this test, a year and three months, which one do you want? You know, and any time you can give that quarterback more time to just learn the NFL, the better. And I think the 49ers know that. Now, is there's probably a price, like a second rounder, that's like if somebody offers us this – then we will move off Jimmy Garoppolo. And they're just waiting for that. If it doesn't happen, I think they're perfectly okay with it. If it does happen, they're perfectly okay with it. Yeah, I kind of want on the same page. Like, if Jimmy's going to – like, I've kind of accept the fact, yeah, Jimmy's going to play. But if I'm saying if they offer a second for him, I feel like you kind of – you kind of got to take it. And then that's all, <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably, yeah, that's all I was saying, like, uh, my point for the actual question is, like, if you can do that and get a second and there's a player that you, like, sliding down in the first, would you try to trade up? Let's say, best-case scenario, it probably it probably won't happen, especially if he's pro day. But if J.C. Horn was sliding down too late in the first round, you wouldn't try to switch back up to take him? Oh, I, uh, 100%. You know, especially when you consider that's that the, that, that, that fifth-year option always comes into effect, and that will save a team a lot of money. So, yeah, anytime you can and, – and then you don't have to just wait. You know, like think about the fact that you have a guy that, that's lasted to the beginning of the second and you have to sleep on it and, and just hope you're going to get him. Teams love trading up into the back of the first to just make sure they get a guy. And we've seen the 49ers do it a few times now. They did it for uh, Reuben Foster. They did it for Brandon Ayuk, you know, like or at least they traded up, you know. So yeah. I definitely – I, I would – I would think it would be a corner if, if they were going to do that. Yeah. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. So, what about you, Brock? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about J.C. Horn or even, you know, me, I really like Greg Newsom. I would I would, I would, would definitely have to think about it, but my, my thing is I value the quarterback position so much. I still don't – like I would, I would sacrifice or having a rookie cornerback so that I could keep the quarterback, which I feel like is the most important position on the field. So if it, you know what I'm saying? If it's like, ah, I really like this corner, but ah, let me keep Jimmy just to ease this transition. Then yeah, I'd keep Jimmy. Gotcha. All right. And and again, I do think that there is an offense like, you know, RG three went to the playoffs his rookie year with Kyle Shanahan. So it's not like Kyle doesn't know how to put an offense around a rookie to do what he does well and excel. I just don't want to have to do that. Right. Yeah, I think that it's it's a luxury, man. Having a starting quarterback while still getting to draft a rookie quarterback high, like that's a luxury, man. And, and I think it would just if, – if they can keep him, that would just benefit whoever the rookie is so much, you know. And I, I think they know that. But if, you know, team comes along and they're like, hey, we got to have Jimmy. Here's a second. And maybe here's a late rounder. Then I'm like – they're like, yeah, we, we bye, Jimmy. 
<laughs> exactly. All right, but let me get about here because you said you got a lot of people on the list. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you. Always a pleasure, Lance. Always. All right, buddy. All right, let's get to the next one. We got, okay, it's either Zachy or Zaki. Or, or, or I'm wrong on both of them. You got to tell me. But you're, you're live, man. Are you there? Are you with us? Zachy, Zaki, I'm slotting your name and I'm sorry. You there, man? One, two, three. All right. Moving on. Moving on. That's unfortunate. Hopefully it wasn't just an audio issue. If you guys ever had an audio issue and I, and I boot you off, then just add another one and we'll try and get it worked out. But Jason Ford, you are next on the list. You are on stage, my friend. What you got? Hey, buddy. Uh, can you guys hear me? We can. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So uh, that was the guy that hit you guys the, the other pod, and um, I couldn't get in with the audio, so I'm just excited to finally uh, get into you guys. <laughs> You're here now, man. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Croc, I hear you, and I'm a big fan, Croc. Uh, I, I love your analysis. Um, what do you guys think of Kyle and Lynch going to see Mac Jones and them sending Adam Peters to go see uh, Justin Fields? Like, is that playing poker, or, or what What do you guys think? Uh, I, I don't know, because, I mean, we can look at it playing poker, but at the end of the day, they hold all the cards in their hands. Like, we know now, like, after what Brian Baldinger said, but now the draft starts at pick three, right? So we know for sure it's going to be Lawrence pick one. It's going to be Zach Wilson pick two. So, I mean, they don't really have to play poker with anybody unless they want to just play poker with the players <laughs> and <laughs> not let the players know which one they want to pick. But um, I I try to look at it di- two different ways, right? Maybe they just are really interested in seeing what he looks like in person. Okay. And, or maybe it's, let me make sure I don't like this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it, it could be that. Like, you know, I know, I know, I like Fields. I've been around him. You know, the QB collective thing or whatever. Like, you know, I've I've watched all his games. I've seen him on the biggest stages and all that. I, I know what he looks like. I know how he works. I've I've met him. I know his personality. I haven't met Matt Jones. So, you know what? Let me make sure I don't like him. Let me make sure Fields is the guy. Let me just at least do my due diligence and go check them out. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting because I always said to myself, if if Mac Jones had like a better arm, then I would be like, okay, I'd be a little bit more comfortable with taking him at three. But I feel like what people don't really realize with Fields is he just reminds me of a bigger version of Russell Wilson. Like Russell wasn't polished when he first came out. It took a, you know, a running game with Marshawn Lynch and a defense to really start to polish him to get him to where he's at right now. And I think Fields is kind of like in the same mode of that, where if you put the right pieces around him, you can start to polish him off, and then you get the finished product later on down the road. I think that's a good comparison, especially when you when you realize that Russell Wilson relied way, way, way more on his running earlier on in his career exactly. than, he, than he does now. And now he's, you know, basically you had the entire fan base saying, hey, can you guys just let Russell Wilson throw the ball, please? Exactly. And, and, and I would say that Justin Fields is already more advanced than that, but he does have a lot of the similar traits. And, and like I said earlier to Croc, I was impressed at how patient Justin Fields was for a guy who knows that he runs like a 4-3 to 4-4 and could probably outrun three-quarters of the defense. So, you know, I, I think he's on he's on track to be something special. And the fact that he already wants to stand there and throw, like, that's a good thing to me. That's a good thing. 
Yeah, thanks you guys for uh, taking me. Uh, I'm sorry about the last time with my. Office. Oh, dude, don't worry about it, man. Appreciate it, and uh, go uh, Niners for this upcoming season. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll Thank we'll you. catch you next time, man. Thank you, brothers. Yep, you too. All right, let's keep it going. We got Rainier. He Rainier's been up in the up in the space before. Rainier, how you doing? Hey, so guys, first of all, um, I just want to say a couple of things. One, um, love what you guys do. Uh, you guys give, provide us common folk to voice our opinions and <laughs> rants like Fred. Well, no. we're just common folk too, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, before you cut me off, Rob, like in the last episode, you know. <laughs> oh, I did, and I felt yeah, so bad. Yeah. Why do you have to bring that up, man? I oh, still man. I, that still haunts me, man. It I with me too. Oh man. <laughs> and second thing, just subscribe to uh, your Patreon, Croc, and I love it. I think I'm gonna do very good uh, next season for fantasy football. So thank you very much. Oh, um, thank you for the shameless plug. Yeah, patreoncom <laughs> 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 oh, right. <laughs> right, right. Hey, um, hey, I didn't see the 49ers here though. Um, you were talking about our last uh, last episode, but I wasn't. I, I didn't see it available. So, so I had it. It's, it's there, but it's hidden. I took it away because I think what I'm going to do is just start like a, a YouTube page instead, and just kind of keep everything separate. It's like so. Okay, so I have my Patreon. Let me do like uh, just a YouTube where you know I do like live videos and stuff like that. So I think I'm going to just go more the YouTube route instead of instead of the Patreon. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Then. Well, anyway, thank you for that. Uh, well, now to my question. <laughs> if and when the Niners draft either Wilson, Fields, Lance, or Matt Jones, uh-huh. do you believe <laughs> uh, that move will attract potential free agents to either resign, see a la Richard Sherman, Reed, uh, Jordan Reed, or others like Todd Gurley, Alden Smith, he's still out there in free agency, other running backs, backups for uh, Raheem, like Le'Veon Bell, or uh, Dunbar in the secondary, just to name a few on a vet minimum? I think winning attracts free agents. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you have a young quarterback and people see it and it looks like it's promising, free agents are, you know, going to want to come. I think I just saw um, Jadavion Clowney sign with the Chiefs. Now, maybe they offer him a lot of money. I don't know. But, Damn, you know, that's, that's one of those things where when, when you're good, and especially, like, with the atmosphere and, like, kind of the team that the 49ers have built, it seems like people want to go to the 49ers for that reason. But, um, I, yeah, I think it's just more you, – you're winning, people are going to want to come. And they'll actually come for less. I think I think the, the, the idea that the 49ers aren't fucking around does attract free agents. So, like, you know, a, a, a drafting a rookie quarter, trading up for a rookie quarterback and drafting one doesn't necessarily mean, like Croc said, that you're going to be winning. But I think it's just showing that the 49ers really aren't content with with where they are. You know, they're not really willing to accept the status quo. They're they're a pretty competitive franchise, and they've they've made moves like this before. This is obviously their biggest move. So I think it does kind of let everybody know that, like, yeah, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo, and yeah, we'd probably be pretty good with him last year, next year if he stayed healthy. But we're not content with that. And I think that that you know. But again, I think like Croc said, winning is the ultimate. Decider. That's a perfect segue to my next question, which is related to Jimmy G and all the rumors going on, right? So what effect do you believe the Jimmy G trade or cut rumors affect the other 52 players in that locker room? Like, for example, Croc, your tenure at um, when you were with the Jets, uh, how's the overall atmosphere? Um, Do you have a personal anecdote 
that you can recall that relates to this particular situation that Jimmy G finds himself in? I love it. Um, yeah. Well, there was um, – uh, Revis was traded while I was there. So – but, mm. you know, he held out at first, and then he finally returned, like, for – reported for OTAs. Then a couple weeks later, he was gone. And I would just say people just understand it's a business. And when Revis, who was, like, the best – he was still, like, at his peak – Nobody cared. Matter of fact, they were just like, oh, who's getting his cleats? Who's getting all his gloves? And people were just <laughs> grabbing his stuff out the locker. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah, so it's just business. <laughs> it's just like, nah, he don't care. Like, we really don't care. getting all his gloves? What the heck? Yeah. I mean, and you get as many gloves as you want, but he had like 50 pairs. I don't know. He had like a ton of pairs in his locker. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a business. And everybody understands it. You'll have your personal, you know, relationships with people and whatnot. I remember when I got released and I had to tell D. Milliner and um and Sheldon Richardson, like those are my dogs. Sheldon Richardson and D. Milliner is like, hey man, I'm out of here. Like, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? But you know it's a business. So Well, and probably in the back of their heads, I mean now if they're a big time player, they don't have to think about this, but in the back of their heads, some of these guys are like, Man, glad it's not me. Yeah. Trust me, and I was that person too for a long time. Oh, like, man. People were getting cut left and right. But yeah, no, nah, I mean you 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 know it's a business. They all know it's a business. Like I said, Revis got traded and it was just like, All right man, we'll we'll, we'll catch you later. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's just a business. It's a business. Cutthroat. Hey, well then uh, it is, man. to you then, Croc, is who sold your cleats or got your gloves when you got oh, me. Oh, no, bitch. I wasn't nah, I kept mine. Like, nah, I'm not I'm not Revis. I'm getting my bag. I'm getting all my my shirts, my everything. I'm I'm taking all that. I even took my nameplate. I mean, give me that. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we're leaving. Um, well, before I go and before you cut me off, just want to say I love you guys and thank you. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate. You. I'm not gonna do that. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna bring in our next speaker. Rainier is gonna stay on stage. He better not say shit. But he's gonna okay. stay on stage because just because I don't want to cut him off. And I'm not going to do it. So, Alan King, you are up. And, and Rainier is still here, and he's staying up here because I just feel bad. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Alan, you with us, man? Yeah, I'm here, man. How you doing, dude? I'm doing all right, man. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got to have one every episode, man. Let's go. Nah, well, I just kind of want to tell y'all, uh, give y'all my opinion on the take why I would think keeping Jimmy G on the roster is a good idea. Let's just say we we hit lightning in a bottle again, and it's 2019 again. I think keeping Jimmy on the roster, and let's just say he plays well like he did in that year, I think you start to create an unwanted controversy if you're actually drafting a quarterback at three. And also, um, if the rookie doesn't play, sitting him on the bench, all you're doing is kind of postponing the the issues and the – the, the stumbles and troubles that he will go through without playing, you're putting that off another year. Because to say just because he's sitting on the bench that he's not going to make mistakes, that's just not true. Those same mistakes are going to be made the following year. So I think it's just prevalent that the rookie plays right away and you get rid of Jimmy G because Jimmy G also has ties mm. in the rock room to certain players. And if he plays well and, and coaches – you know, may have allegiances to him. If he plays well, they're not going to want him gone. So that's going to create, you know, a controversy in the locker room, I think. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah, um, well, I, I think that definitely can be the case. But 
we, we've seen these different, you know, circumstances and situations. Like, you know, think to the the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Like, they, they had Alex Smith still there. They even went to the playoffs. You know, they went to the playoffs the year before with Alex Smith. But, you know, you – and remember, too, when Mahomes – I think it was uh, Tariq Hill said when Mahomes first got out there, he thought Mahomes was sorry. You guys, did you guys hear that story? Oh yeah, yep, yep. Well, yeah, I said on Twitter like, man, he, this kid don't look good. Like, this is who y'all drafted? But you know, you gotta let it play out. And everybody just, they again, like I said with the last caller, it's it's a business. And and Jimmy has had plenty of time to to put his flag, plant his flag in the ground, and say I'm the guy. But unfortunately, he's missed two out of three years since signing this contract. So. You know, this isn't a move that the 49ers wanted to do. Jimmy G forced their hand with this. You know what I'm saying? So you got and, and the players they'll they'll understand that. Well, and and the one thing I would say too is that the the benefits that it would that the 49ers winning with Jimmy G would give that team kind of outweigh the negatives. Like like yes, there are still some rookie mistakes that that quarterback would make in year two. But obviously, if the 49ers went like just had this successful season under Jimmy G, that rookie quarterback's going to see that. They're going to see what what Jimmy G did in order to have that success. He's going to be able to be a part of it. He's going to see what it takes to win. He's going to have time to sponge up the playbook. He's going to have time to learn. The 49ers are going to win games. And, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value is going to skyrocket. You know, you're going to have somebody who, who probably isn't even fetching a second right now. All of a sudden, teams are saying, I'll give you my late first because Jimmy G, you know, it, it becomes clear that, hey, Jimmy G just had a couple of injuries. And now he's just lighting it up. And, and you know, I'm not saying that that's the universe we live in and that's going to happen. But I think the benefits of Jimmy G staying on the roster and the 49ers winning games would outweigh the possible drama that could happen, even though I'm not sure it would be that dramatic. I think the team would realize, like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo did pretty good this year, but we got this guy. We've seen him in practice. He looks really fucking good. He's young. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of like what Croc said with Alex Smith. Like, it's just, it's just time to move on, and it's a business, and it is what it is. So I could see your point. I think it's definitely a fair way of saying it. But at the same time, I think if you kept Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers won games, that the benefits of winning those games and giving that rookie time would kind of outweigh the negatives that could happen, you know, that may not even happen. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I got I you. It's, good, it's a good question, though, and, it, and it's sure as hell. You know, things – and we all talk about Jimmy Garoppolo like he'd be perfectly willing to – to do all these things, but at the same time, like the dude's making twenty five million dollars, man. Get your ass in there and compete, win a job. It's a rookie. What are you afraid of? You know, and if he did that, then it would only benefit kind of everybody because that, like I said earlier, man, I love giving a rookie quarterback time to learn, no matter where they were drafted. Yeah, because I actually prefer for whoever we draft to start. Because like the other caller said, this isn't like our team is like strapped with talent. He's going in, and he's playing with 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 good players. So, you know, you don't want your quarterback to turn into right. Sam Darnold. We've seen what happened with Sam Darnold when they just threw him out there with, you know, shit. And, you know, his first career attempt, his first career pass attempt was a pick six. Yeah. So and I, that's I, what you don't want. You don't want their, their clock sped up. Like, you don't want the quarterback playing fast in his head. And I think that's the thing where it's like, you know, if he's ready, say you bring in a guy, and it's just like, damn, this dude, I mean, he just hit the ground running. He was able to take control. He was a great leader. We have a good office around him. He's able to, you know, he looks like he belongs on the field. Then, yeah, from I mean, that standpoint, then you can just play him. But I, I think I would have to see that first. And 
by the time you see it, I mean, you'd still have Garoppolo on the roster. You know what I'm saying? But I would have to see that he's prepared to take over that. Because I've also talked about seeing Geno Smith and what it looked like with him as a rookie and the stress and the pressure that he was under. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they made Sanchez go on like IR. Like, you know what I'm saying? So then it was like, it made it to where there was no quarterback controversy, but there was actually a quarterback competition. I feel like Sanchez was probably winning it, but then they were like, oh, nah, like, let's have Sanchez go on IR for the year with a hurt shoulder and, and make it to where it's like, all right, Gino, you get all the starting reps because you need them. That's the politics, man. Yeah. You got anything else there, Al? Oh, yeah. I got one more thing. I listen to you guys in the car, you know, with my family in the car. And uh, Crocky, my wife, wanted me to tell you next time you do a podcast to clear your throat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've tried. I got a bottle of water right here. I pause. When you guys see me go on mute, that's me trying to clear my throat. And I'm not going to lie. It, it just doesn't help. I remember when I was – when I was uh working with these kids at the school, and one of the little kids was like, are you sick? And I'm like, <laughs> I just sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, at least you don't sound like uh, Kermit the Frog, so you're all good, man. You're in good company. But All right, Alan, I appreciate right, you, man. Appreciate you, man. All right, buddy. You know, I did want to bring up a point that um, that I feel like Jimmy G, like uh, our buddy was saying. I forgot his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, he was saying that um, Jimmy G – you know, going into last season, I mean, this is how I see it, okay? Um, he's too nice. He's that one nice guy that doesn't mat- doesn't care about getting his feelings hurt. Remember last season and the season prior, uh, after the ACL injury, all the ESPN analysts were talking crap on Jimmy G. They were saying, is he really the answer? They were even asking questions about his ability to throw beyond the numbers, you know, then. And I feel like Jimmy G, you'd see it on TV too. Like um, Kyle Huszczyk has defended Jimmy. Everybody has defended Jimmy except for Jimmy. So I feel in this case, heading into this season, uh, let's just say um, the QB1, whoever it may be, whether it be Lance, Fields, or Wilson, or Mike Jones, um, if they were to take <laughs> take out – if they were able to take out Jimmy G, you know – like weekly practices, I feel like Jimmy G would be complacent enough to be like, well, all right, that's fine. Take over, uh, take over my spot. I I don't see any any fire that will be lit under his ass if it came to that anyway. So I feel like he would rather get cut than than request request a trade. To be well, honest. I don't know, man. When you're when you're making twenty five million dollars, I don't think anybody wants to get cut. And and to me. I kind of see what you're saying because Jimmy Garoppolo is always does seem nice, but you don't really get to that level and just like be willing to roll over and, and take it. Like you have to be, if you're not, you might not be an asshole, but on the inside, you've got some competitive fire that only few people on this planet know. You know, like I, I see what you mean, but at the same time, I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is quite the bitch that that you might think he is. I, I think that That's he's true. still, you know probably quite the competitor we just don't really see that very often because he doesn't have a twitter and he just doesn't get worked up at press conferences well i think uh this is only appropriate to say that croc at the end of this podcast should uh do justice for jimmy g <laughs> oh. yeah. uh, he, he, he gonna Might need it well. yeah he, he gonna, go, 
All right, Rainier. I think uh, you've been. Well, thank I, you I, for everything, and thank you for keeping me here. It justifies your your mistakes from last episode. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate next. you. Until next time, for Rainier. All right, we got two more speaker requests to go, at least right now. Christian, you are up, my friend. What you got? I can hear that music. Christian, you there, buddy? Man, we can hear his beats. I can't hear anything. Oh, I, I mean, I can I can hear his music. All right, Christian, we'll, we'll we'll get back to you. All right, next up, last on the list, but he just requested it recently. The great Biamechi. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I love the intros, man. You really bring it. Um, honestly, like I know y'all rocking with this episode for it's almost what two hours now, two hours plus. Honestly, this has been hilarious. I'm just in the chat room, like laughing at everything Fred is saying. <laughs> like, like this is this is hilarious, man. I had to um, I had to before I get into my you know Niner spiel and everything. I had to uh, subscribe to the uh, Crocker Patreon one time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, Make my numbers sure, going. I encourage all y'all to do that, man, because we out here spending so much time for these content creators. This ain't this ain't no joke. It's a lot of uh, work to put all this stuff together. So definitely support the folks. Rob, I don't know if you have something yourself, like Cash App, Venmo. Shoot, I'll send you some. No, <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, we're we're good, dude. Just you guys being in in <laughs> here right, and, so. and and chatting it up is good for me, man. Hey, that's love. That's love, boy. Um, but no, nah, in all seriousness, <laughs> like. Fred, I got to, man, I got to say something. I just got to talk to the Freds of the world, man, because honestly, um, that's how J.D. is, man. He's the same way about Trey Lance. He's just like, man, I do not see it. There's no way in hell. Like, he doesn't even throw the ball. Like, everything Fred talking about, basically. So, obviously, there's people that have that that sentiment. But, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, at the end of the day, it's the draft. And we're talking about people. I feel like so so many times like we lose that in the sauce. Like get caught up in the stats and the you know all these projections and all these scouts. Like so many people are wrong, you know, all the time because it's just like it's so unpredictable. So it's like at the end of the day, like I think there's like two ways. People always talk about high floors or like low ceilings or like risk reward, right? So like that's really what the draft comes down to. Like, do you feel that? You know, are you going to be aggressive? Are you going to do something that's conservative? Are you going off of, like, what somebody looks like right now? And a Mac Jones who who looks like, okay, he's doing everything that we can see right now, but you see somebody like Trey Lance, you see, like, raw talent and potential, and it's like that's the other extreme. Like, do we go with somebody who maybe doesn't have the the reps at the position, but we see how they could project to be something great two years from now where we're all saying, oh, man, like, we should have drafted him. And so I think another, like, factor in that is, like, where you're drafting and what you're, you know, moving around to get there, right? So, like, obviously, we traded up so much, you know. Honestly, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that much, but a lot of people think it's a lot, uh, you know, two future first round draft picks to move up to where we're at, right? So it's like having already given up all that, would you go with something that's extremely risky? And I just feel like there's, a, you have to be like somewhere in the middle. So I feel like Justin Fields, he he is that prospect where it's like he has the athletic profile. Yes, he's a slow processor. I guess that's what, you know, at least in the offense of Ohio State, he's a slow processor. But it's like, man, I just feel like he has that potential where it's like he could be something special right now in Shanahan's system. So I guess the last thing I want to leave on is 
you got to be faithful, man. Like, we got to be faithful in the regime. Like, most quarterbacks, when they're getting drafted in the top three, they're going to a team that's, you know, bottom three. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to a team that doesn't really have it together. Like, it's a rare instance for, you know, to come to a team that basically feels like they're Super Bowl ready. I think we all would say we're right. pretty much Super Bowl ready. Like, this is a rare instance, you know? So it's like, I think so much of the success of the prospects is based on what situation they're put into. And I feel like we have the best situation. So I don't care who we get, we're getting the best quarterback in this draft. That's all I got to say. I see what you're saying. Like you're saying no matter what, it's going to work out. No matter what. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I want field. My my, my thing is. Go ahead. um, I don't, I don't want to be watching a game like a year from now, two years from now. And we're playing with Mac Jones, and it's like he's good. Like, hey, we're having twelve and four seasons. Like, we're playing well. But then you watch, like, you know, across the field, it's like, oh, Atlanta has just, you know, Justin Fields, and he's just like, we have no answers for him. And it's like, well, you had a chance to draft that type of quarterback, and you passed up on it for something that's safer. And then it comes to contract time, and it's like, damn, do we want to play Mac, pay Mac Jones? $140 million? Like, that's what the going rate for a starting quarterback is. Yeah, where you and, can't uh, build everything around them. Like, I mean, you can build everything around them, but I think, it like, it has to be like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just how, you know, upside, man. And what type of – and me as a defend, defender, I always look at, like, what type of pressure does this quarterback put on an opposing defense? Like, even when – when I think uh, Stephen A. Smith said it best with, with uh, Alex Smith. I mean, uh, uh, excuse me, Jimmy Garoppolo. And it came off as, like, hate at the, at, at the time when I first heard it. But he always said, like, you get to four and five different position groups and players before you get to Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense of, um, like, who scares you with the 49ers. He's like, you, you talk about that defense. You talk about Richard Sherman. You talk about the run game. You talk about Bosa. And then you get to – you talk about ownership. You talk about <laughs> like, yeah, like you talk about the head coach. Like you talk about every. And then it's like, oh, then there's Jimmy Garoppolo, which you know he helps them win, but he's like fifth on the like you know in the sense of like importance to the team. Even though I mean he's more important because he's a quarterback, but you know like you you get what I'm saying though. No, I'm with you. I don't know how we got on the Mac Jones track, but I will ask you on your opinion on like you know Burrow, for example. Like, what do you? How do you feel like he compares to Joe Burrow? Because I feel like that's the most similar situation you can compare to. I like Joe Burrow more because he was a little bit more athletic, and Joe Burrow just had that swag. Like he just had that swag, like he was that dude, and he brought LSU to a championship after not having been there for you know quite some time. So I put more stock to that, but they're very similar in terms of like every single player on their team was – but you could still see that they were doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like people are way too hard on Mac Jones, but I get it with the floor. I'm not saying, like – you know, I'm just bringing it up because you brought it up. So I wanted to know your right. thoughts on, like, you know, Burrow versus Jones. I, I think Burrow was able to create way more out of structure plays. Like, so to me, like, you know, and when we're – when we are talking about those guys at the top, yeah, like, other things are right. Like, the ball placement, the – you know, um, the the uh, decision-making, you know, um, the throws that they were able to make, the, they don't have the biggest of arms. I think all that's very comparable. But the one thing that really changes things between the two is Burrow was really able to make plays off script. He made plays right. with his legs. He made plays with his legs to, and then used his arm. Like, 
he he did a lot of things crafty where he bought time or he scrambled maple like he did all these things that like Mac Jones just can't do that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And like to me when you're talking about cuz I'm not talking about Mac Jones as if he's not a first round caliber quarterback. I'm just saying he's not a top 3 guy. And that's the main reason why. If we were talking about Joe Burrow right now, like I wouldn't have any issues with 49ers taking him because I've seen him create and buy and do all these different things with his legs and still and put pressure on the defense. You know, like Jones puts pressure on the defense from a standpoint of, hey, he's a he's a good de- decision maker. But when when this, when the stuff hits the fan, and it's time for him to make a play, and right. you got to count on him to make it, or that free yeah. runner comes at him, is he right. going to be able to make him miss and do those things? Like those are the things where it's like. It's got to be kind of ideal. It has to be more of an ideal situation. And those are some of the same things we said about Garoppolo, where it's like it's got to be ideal for Garoppolo, right. you know. Um, yeah, I, I do think that Mac Jones is a better deep ball thrower, at least, you know, if we're judging NFL Garoppolo compared to college Mac Jones. Right. But, um, yeah, that that's the difference between at least Mac Jones and Burrow. I just think he was able to create way more. And it was right. consistent, too. And I and I feel like the whole um like just to add to what you're saying like the the whole like athletic profile quarterback prospect versus like you know more so pocket Kirk Cousins type I actually went back like well, I think it was like last night or the night before and looked at this old uh, I don't know if it was undisputed or I think it was undisputed interview with uh, Mike Shanahan like from three years ago and they had him on and I don't know if y'all saw this but he was talking about just like RG three. Um, Skip Bayless was a big RG3 guy. And so he was talking to him about RG3 and like, I just, what Mike Shanahan was saying, like didn't match up from what I remember about that situation in Washington. Cause he was basically saying like, well, RG3, like, you know, when we drafted him and we were doing all these options and we made him rookie of the year and it was so explosive and we changed our whole offense and we were like, you know, won seven games to in a row to end the season and whatnot. Like, we basically were set up to just be super successful, but he got he started getting hurt and whatnot. And then RG, you know, his family and you know him came to came to him and was basically like, "Look, we don't want to do this like, <laughs> you know, option running the ball like, you know, doing all that type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to do just more like in the pocket, like you know, do that." And Mike Shanahan was like, "But that's not you. Like, you're not that type of quarterback." Like, in RG three was like. How come I can't just do what Kirk Cousins is doing? Like, you guys got him doing, like, this whole other playbook. It was just, like – he's like, that's not – you're not even, like – you're not that type of quarterback. Like, you're just not that type of quarterback. Like, you don't, the anticipation, the all those sort of aspects and the elements in the game, like, you don't have that. Like, it's not like – it's a different offense for you. And he's like, that's fine because players like Russell Wilson and, and Deshaun Watson, you know, they're they're excellent at, like, being able to do the option, run the option, or, you know, at least be able to be run threats but not take hits. And like not take, you know, um, not you not risk the injury. Like you can still play that type of way, just don't get hit. Like that's the main thing. And after like hearing that and hearing that interview, I was just thinking about it. Like man, like I really do feel like Shanahan really wants to have from everything even you said, Croc, about the, you know, how he said he would draft Josh Allen even without um, if he came out 2017. Or like we've we've seen little bits and pieces to think that like he wants an athletic profile at the very least, to make the running game even that much more dynamic. I mean, think right. about that. Think about that. Like, just, just like, already, people, I think I think Justin Fields' floor, like, the worst we're going to get from Justin Fields, if he doesn't process fast, if he doesn't go through his reads, if all those things are true, he's going to be a athletic, like a super athletic Jimmy Garoppolo. 
at the very at the very least. Like, right. so I mean, with that element, and and here, with the ability to really stretch the field with his arms. Exactly. That's true. That that too. That to really be able to like use the full extent of the offense in terms of like hitting those deep shots, getting getting those explosive plays. Like that's a huge point too. Those two things. That's the floor to me. And so I feel like, man, like I get the Trey Lance points too. I'm not gonna like. I don't think we should get Trey Lance, but like, man, Fields. That would be crazy. So even if even if you look at all of this from a basic, like let's say the quarterback isn't even really creating with his legs, one of Kyle Shanahan's favorite favorite shit is like boot action and getting exactly. the quarter, the quarterback out of the pocket. Like you're exactly. not even talking about running and and create and scoring on his legs. You're just talking about running the off. Yeah, getting out and, and moving the pocket. Like even if if you're looking at that, and that's one of Kyle Shanahan's favorite things to do. And Kirk Cousins does that a lot. He's athletic enough to do that. And you're even t- – Matt Jones might not even be athletic enough to do that as effectively as Kyle Shanahan wants no to. No way. No, he's And not to mention the fact that, you know, like even if Mac Jones is doing boot action, there's really not a threat to run off of it because it's Mac Jones. So I, I do feel like that, you know, as, as good as Mac Jones is, is playing the standard quarterback, there are so many things that Kyle Shanahan wants to do that he just hasn't been able to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. He wouldn't be able to do him with Mac Jones. And it just neither of them would neither of them propel his offense upward at all. You know, like they right. can maintain a status quo, but like does he that's not what Kyle Shanahan wants at this point, right? I mean, you've got to think that he wants to turn this into into something that people fear, like the Chiefs or, you know, like the Bills, like something that's just too hard to can't contain. You know, and not he's not gonna get that with a Mac Jones. No, absolutely, and and that actually that's a good point you bring up, Rob, because I feel like um, that is the one area of, I mean, aside from athleticism, that's the one area of Mac Jones' game where it's like anytime that he had to go to the outside or do, he did not do well throwing the ball on the run from the outside, like doing any sort of bootleg or any sort of like rolling out. He did not do well in that, in those situations. And to Croc's point, like that's very different from Joe Burrow because he was just making plays. Like he would just things would break down, he would get outside, he would make something happen. So I definitely agree with y'all y'all doing great work like i said make sure y'all tap into uh crocs um you know what i'm saying patreon and everything like that um support the homie um and uh i'm gonna get back in this chat section man holla at my man fred i'm definitely have to tap in with him <laughs> on uh, april 29th and make sure he's good if we end up getting trey lance man I'm hey we might <laughs> we might all be in here on april 29th no we're gonna do zoom man we got to do zoom that's what that's how we're gonna do it y'all be easy man all, all right bro. brother appreciate you b Oh, shit. I just accidentally removed Crocker as a speaker. <laughs> Crocker got a request to speak. I didn't, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I, uh, I, uh, I thought I was clicking on, on Biametti's little circle and I clicked on Crocker's <laughs> because Biametti left himself. Now I've, now I've booted. If I didn't feel, feel bad enough, now I've booted my own homie. Yeah. Um, but all right, guys. I think that, I think, uh, Rainier, man, I, I love you, man. I, I, I'll, I'll love. Um, I think that everybody would find it reasonable that we called things, we brought things to an end after over two over two hours of of doing this. And I will say this though, like this, that is an entertaining two hours. Like I right. have been thoroughly entertained since we started this. Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you've also been thoroughly entertained. I know you don't get the the chat room dynamic of the locker room, but I hope you enjoyed this talk. Because, God damn, man, like, if I can just sit here and thoroughly enjoy two hours of this, then I think, like, we got something special. 
And, yep. and and you guys brought it. You got brought it with the speaker request. We've had like 60 plus people in here the entire time. I think we just dropped below 60 for the first time. And that's those are great numbers for us. And you know, obviously we had like 150 after the 49ers traded. So the 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 ceiling's the limit, or the sky the ceiling's the limit. <laughs> what a dumb thing to say. The sky's the limit, man, for this for this whole platform and and all of us doing this thing. So I appreciate you, Croc. You got any uh you got any last words, my friend? Nah, man. Appreciate everybody for uh, hopping on again. And Still appreciate everybody that you know supports uh, 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 Patreon.com slash Croc. <laughs> I don't know why, but you saying that, like, rattling it off just makes me laugh every time. Like, yeah. like Patreon.com slash Kirk Hawk. It's like, it's just perfect, man. It kills me. It kills me, bro. Um, but you really missed an opportunity for it not to be Patreon.com backslash air that hoe out. I'm just saying. I know. I know. You had a chance. I'm just kidding. So, all right, everybody. Hey, y'all in the in the chat. Y'all, Omar came in here with the simple jack. We'll talk about that some other time. I love that guy. So, hey, everybody in the chat, I appreciate you for being in here. This shit was hella fun, and, and I'm excited to just keep on doing it. We will be back in here on Wednesday at 7 p.m., just like you guys have come to expect. Uh, thank you for everybody who's listening on the pod. As always, we appreciate your support, whether you're listening on the pod or in the locker room app. But, I mean, y'all already, y'all already know what it is. I'm Rob. Rob, that's Croc. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing out. Justice for Trey Lance. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.